0: Hello everybody and welcome once again to 007, a James Bond podcast. We are now into our 12th episode, our ninth movie recap, as we talk about a man with a powerful weapon. He charges a million a shot, an assassin that's second to none. The man with the golden gun, Roger Moore. He's... Second outing as Secret Service agent MI6 extraordinaire man who doesn't have the golden gun. He's after the man with the golden gun, James Bond, and uh, very excited to talk about this film. A film that is generally not well liked by a lot of James Bond fans, but uh, I, I like it. And that's all that matters, so your opinions will be changed. Speaking of being opinions changed, I should change your opinion by introducing myself (laughs) first of all. I don't know why that's funny, but um, I uh, always come before I kill. My name is Ben Waterworth.
1: And uh, I'm Colin. You may recognize me because I'm tall, slim and dark, just like your aunt.
0: (laughs) And I'm Noah
2: Knack, and I've just parked the car plane, so
0: I'm ready to go. And we are ready and willing and able to talk about this film, and uh, yes, Man with the Golden Gun, I've mentioned it about 300 times in the introduction, we always (laughs) start off by getting our general feelings, our general vibes of this movie, and uh, as I said, I like this movie, I um, I think it's an improvement from Live and Let Die. Um I think that Roger Moore um, again, is charming and witty and fun. He's not really that old yet, so um, <laughs> he's still enjoyable to watch and um, it's it's a great. It's a great film, and I think it's got easily one of the best villains in the history of the James Bond film. Christopher Lee is fantastic, and uh, one of the best henchmen, too. I absolutely love me some knick-knack. It's got great sequences in it. It's got one of the most iconic scenes in the history of James Bond films, uh, coupled with one of the most terrible sound effects in the history of James Bond films. Um, And I do not know why this film gets a lot of... um, hate. So uh I'm just putting that out there right now, pretty much what I said in the introduction, but I repeated myself again. <laughs>
1: uh I think that uh it's kind of understandable some of the hate it gets uh but at the same time, I mean there are movies out there that are just downright ridiculous. Uh a lot of people criticize, I think it's unfair some of the criticism this gets because a lot of people criticize it for being too goofy and uh, Uh, too over the top and really i mean coming off of diamonds are forever and live and let die this is the one that's too goofy and this is the one that's too over the top i mean i think more than anything there are just a lot of slow moments to the movie and the story's not as exciting but this is one that i've always not loved but really liked and uh, i'd say for for most of my time as a bond fan i kind of saw this as you know one of the average bond movies and never really considered it a bottom of the barrel movie um As you said, Ben, I mean, Christopher Lee, Scaramanga, for so long, he was my very favorite villain. I think he's been top now. We'll we'll get to that uh, later on, but easily still in my top three villains. Uh, I would say Nick Nack is easily a top five henchman, Um, considering there are a lot of moments in this movie where they just do kind of play it for laughs. I mean, Nick Nack has never really played for laughs that much. He's very uh, sinister at times. Uh, He's kind of uh, a scary henchman, which we haven't had in a while. And uh, Ben, I know that you'll be agreeing with me on this. Noah might not. But I mean, I've always been a huge defender of Mary Goodnight. I think that some of the criticism towards her, is not really fair. She has a place in this movie, and I don't think every Bond girl needs to be, you know, exactly the same. And uh, I would argue that her comic skills in this movie, Britt Eklund, her Comic skills as a performer, right up there with Roger Moore, and I think give her credit for what she was doing in this movie, which was being, you know, some comic relief. And uh, overall, I think it's an enjoyable movie, at least when you get past the halfway mark.
2: Uh, give Tiffany Case some um, credit for what um, she, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a cute film. It's like cute, cute. <laughs> Um yeah, it's just like it's it's not it's not the best, it's not the worst, it just has its place in the film. <laughs> it's not it's got some funny moments, uh the plot isn't great. Um uh, yeah. It's just that middle kind of I don't hate it as much as a lot of people, but I agree with Colin. I can see why people don't like it. Um But then I always forget how much fun I really do have when I chuck this one on. Like it's never one that's Bores me like I can always chuck it in and enjoy it whenever. Um, and when I do, I think, yeah, this is quite good. But in the grand scheme of things, spoiler alert, it's not going to be in my top 10, that's for sure. But it is quite an enjoyable one, as you said. Roger Moore is not that old at this point, his lines are delivered quite well. Personally, I think he does a better job in Live and Let Die, but he's still pretty good here. Um and overall, it's fun. We'll jump into it. As you guys said, Scaramanga is great. Nick knack is great. Um, the locations are quite good, so we'll we'll dive into it. But it's enjoyable. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people say. But I kind of feel nowadays a lot of people are enjoying this film more than they maybe once viewed it, because opinions seem to change a lot over time.
0: Well, a couple of things, really, before we get into the, the actual uh, film and talk about what happens in it. Um, it was the first time we'd had... Uh, back-to-back Bond films sort of in consecutive years uh, since Thunderball followed Goldfinger. Of course, Live and Let Die came out in 1973, Man with a Golden Gun in 1974. It's the last of our Guy Hamilton trilogies, which I'm sure uh, Mr. Colin will have a bit to say about. And, um, of course, very importantly, it was the last uh, film made under the collaboration, of course, of uh, Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. So it was sort of the end of this... um, you know, iconic partnership that we had, and obviously, without without that partnership, we wouldn't have James Bond. Um, so uh, it was quite a, a significant moment, I guess. From this point on, that that partnership really ended. Um, I mean, just quickly on that, I just, I mean, Colin, I know you sort of know a fair bit about the history of all that and everything to do with that, but do you feel as though that after this film, that that was significant in the fact? Of the style of the movies, of how they turned out, really, from this point with the end of that partnership,
1: um, it's it's kind of hard to say because I feel like, especially reevaluating these movies the way we are through this, that it's very obvious after you pass on Her Majesty's Secret Service that the budgets were diminished, and uh, I don't know whether that was just a studio thing. I mean, Eon kind of operated on their own and sold the movies to the studios. I think that once the Spy Who Loved Me came, they really went all out again and made them big movies. And uh, the main reason for Harry Saltzman stepping down was that he had some financial troubles. So uh, it's too bad that we don't have you know more interviews or even books from Harry Saltzman talking about the incidents that led up to him departing. Because uh, I would bet that some of his financial troubles may have actually you know led to uh, um, why the budgets were seemingly slashed or the movies looked cheaper during this time period one interesting thing i found digging into it though is that uh broccoli and saltzman even though they would produce these movies together they would kind of each alternate taking the lead you know broccoli would do one movie kind of heading up production where saltzman would be more in the background and then they'd switch on the next one and I think I always assumed that this being the last Harry Saltzman movie and the fact that the tone of the movies did change after this, that Harry Saltzman was more, but from what I can tell, it looks like that Albert Broccoli was the one who was more in lead of the man with the golden gun. So, um, it's really hard to say if, uh, Harry Saltzman had that much of an impact on the style after this.
0: We, of course, um, just also before we get into the, the movie as well, um, interesting fact that this film was meant to be the follow-up to You Only Live Twice um, when they were meant to do production in Cambodia, but there was a civil war that broke out. Uh, with
1: Roger and, Moore as well.
0: Yeah, with Roger Moore. Um, well, he Roger did, Moore
1: was the reason for the yeah, civil
0: war? I was about to say, he started the civil war in Cambodia. Roger <laughs> Moore was just like, fuck it, I'm bored. I'm going to start a civil war. Um, Quite true. Um So, I mean, that would have been an interesting. We, we might not have never had Lazenby. So thank you, Civil War in Cambodia. Can we say that? Um, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Politically incorrect. But whatever we got, lazy be, So we're happy with that. So um, yeah. So we move into the film. We'll talk about um, Man with the Golden Gun. Funnily enough, that's what we're here to do. And we get the pre-title sequence. And I I love this pre-title sequence. I think it's a it's a good setup. It's sort of a Nice little slow setup on the beach uh, in Scaramanga's little hideaway in uh, Thailand. We see Nick walking out with his little tray, and then we get the reveal of oh, he's got three nipples. Which I think dun, dun, dun. it's like kind of weird at the start because obviously it's a big you know thing you've got to remember because it's the only way people know who he is, and we'll get to how that is possible. Um, but, like, are you not thinking as soon as his film starts, like, he's got three nipples. What an evil bastard. Like,
2: yeah, that's like whisper levels of
0: <laughs> Like, people with three nipples in 1974, like, like, oh, we're not all bad. Like, it's not, we can't help it. Um, and we then get to see uh, our guest on his island, um A gangster, which, until we started uh, doing this, and maybe I'm dumb, Noah pointed out to me that uh, it's Rodney
1: from Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, Colin, did you know that? Of course you did. Yeah, I mean, I recognize it when you watch them back to back.
2: I didn't know that was his name, though,
0: Rodney. His name's Rodney. So uh not aware of that. he uh, gets met by Nick Knack, brought along to the room, he's um having fun with a little shootout thing with his gun. Um and then um Scaramanga is gonna come and meet him, but he's gotta go through this uh fantastic uh house of tricks or what, what's it actually called? The Funhouse. Funhouse. I knew what it had a call and I just completely lost what it was called. Um, where we see, uh, obviously Scaramanga going through it there and Rodney trying to get to him, shooting the mirror and the ha 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 laughing and knickknack commentating. And we see Al Capone. We see the lovely western scene with the ding 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 ding, like the lovely little western music. And it all sort of, um, you know, leads up to uh, getting to see Scaramanga's first kill. You know, he's such a good assassin, straight into the head. Rodney's dead. And um, Nick knack gets very <laughs> excited... I have to say this one of my favourite scenes in the movies when he's sitting on his chair and he's like jumping up and down clapping. Uh, <laughs> and then after that we get to see uh once we think we're not gonna see James Bond in the uh, opening pre-title scenes for the second time in a row, but no, we see a uh, figure of Roger Moore slash James Bond, who is not moving at all.
2: It's very <laughs> unsturdy. Yes. Very, un- be robotic.
0: <laughs> very unsturdy ground in um, in <laughs> Thailand uh, before we get to the uh, credits. Uh, I I think it's a great opening. Um, I just think it sets it up fantastically. It really sets up Scaramanga and his sort of uh, sadistic ways that he's going to Trap people in his funhouse, and um, I mean, the funhouse is a fantastic little setup, and um, I, I think it's one of the the better opening sequences we've had up to this point. I, I really enjoy it.
1: This is one of those criticisms the movie gets, where I don't really think it's fair because the only criticism people ever have for the pre-title scene is that James Bond's not in it, and I mean, as far as I'm concerned, so what? Uh, we have so many pre-title scenes where bond is in it like look at you only live twice and it's just completely meaningless because we have maybe three back-to-back scenes that are all really brief and really insignificant and you know just there for exposition basically and here we have one dedicated scene which i think is the way that the best pre-title scenes are where it's just one sequence and it all has kind of its own little contained story also this is one of the ones that really sets up the plot of the movie so it it operates both as like a traditional pre-title scene and a perfect setup for the plot. And like you said, it's the best introduction you can get for Scaramanga. Um, it, I'm not bothered by the fact that Bond is in it. I'm not bothered by the sequence itself. It's really fun. and The idea of this sequence is just so fantastic. I mean, you have so many things going on. You get to be introduced to Scaramanga. You get to be introduced to Andrea, his mistress. You get introduced to Nicknack. You get introduced to his island his fun house, um, what he does for a living, the golden gun. Uh, you even get this idea of the entire movie. I mean, you have two plots in this movie, really. But the one main one they focus on is that Scaramango wants competition. He wants people that he can kind of spar with to the death. And that's how he trains himself. And it's, it's a really interesting idea that you wouldn't normally think to put into a movie. I mean, they tried it in from Russia with love kind of, and I think that it's more successful here than it was in from Russia with love. So I really like this pre-title scene. I think my only complaint about it is that it kind of hurts the climax of the movie a little bit because it's so similar, but uh, right off the bat, I mean, this is a fun introduction to the movie. It does
2: kind of hurt the climax, but I do love bookends in films and, b- and books. <laughs> like, I like the Hey, there's that bit from the very beginning and the very end. I think that's cool. Um, and as you summed up, Colin, it, it really introduces most of the main characters of this one. Um, I do love <laughs> Scaramanga's first line in the film: "Is knickknack Tabasco?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why?" <laughs>
0: So we get to see Nick knack carrying a lovely little tray of Tabasco.
2: <laughs> One of the greatest, fir- great first lines of film history, Knick-Knack, <laughs> Tabasco. Um, and, yeah, we have Rodney. And uh, I love that, like, apparently all gangsters look up to Al Capone. <laughs> like,
0: what does he say? Like, oh, sorry, Al. Or something who, like. who also wasn't moving as well, a very sturdy... Uh. <laughs>
2: very lifelike Al Capone uh, statue (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's great I kind of wish there was a bit more with the showdown but they had to show um, uh, Scaramanga being awesome Um, the statue a lot is lost when Roger Moore is (laughs) struggling to stay still um, (laughs) but they needed that to set up like he couldn't just say I'm after Bond yeah I think it would, we'll get more into Scaramanga as a character later and more about uh, his motivations. But I wish they kind of maybe mentioned that he used to be a part of Spectre. Like, they obviously can't say the word Spectre, but they could say an evil organisation. And that's how he knows who James Bond is. Because I hate this idea that everyone knows James Bond. Um, you just killed James Bond! <laughs> like, I wish, like, they said, oh, he was part of this organisation, but he was so evil that he left and now he wants revenge on Bond and he's going to get revenge for Doctor No, uh, poor old number four. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't love the pre-titles, but I think it's better than a lot of them. I find it quite similar to Live and Let Die, actually, just the way they set up the film quite well and what the film is going to be about. So, yeah, it's pretty good.
0: It's It's interesting about the whole you know, set up about how he's part of Spectre and you can't say it and everything because you really just think that, again, is James Bond, who's this secret... He's meant to be a secret agent, but is he, like, the most famous secret agent in the world? Everyone knows who he is? Like, exactly. Like said, oh, my God, you killed James Bond, and, oh, he's got a statue of him, and, like, everybody knows who he... Like, he's not very secret. Oh. Yeah,
2: that's why I think it would have been good if, like, they had something in there that they crossed paths in the past or something like that, just to make it a bit less silly. But it's a very minor complaint.
0: And we should mention, just quickly, you said we'll talk a lot about Scaramanga, of course, throughout this, but Christopher Lee briefly touched on at the beginning. <sighs> Rest in peace. Very sadly, recently left us. But, I mean, for for such an iconic actor, I mean, he's played, you know major character after major character but for the fact that he can pull off being a Bond villain a Lord of the Rings villain and a Star Wars villain like (laughs) you know I mean not many actors could do that and the fact that he's you know just so iconic but was this Really, he's—I mean, how famous do we know was he coming into Man with the Golden Gun? Was he? He's obviously had a lot of films before this. I mean, he'd been acting for well over thirty years, but was he a fairly well-known actor at this
1: point? Does You well, do know, actually yeah. quite
2: famous because of Dracula, which I'm fairly certain came before this.
1: Well, I mean, he did lots of stuff. I remember that when I started watching the Bond movies, um, this was before Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and everything, and. I recognize him as the guy from the opening of Gremlins too, and <laughs> my mom was uh, telling me as I'm watching this, she's like, "This guy was like a huge star because it's not just Dracula he did, but I mean, he kind of broke through in the late '50s and early '60s through Dracula and a bunch of other like uh, um, horror movies. It was kind of a revival of horror movies, you know. And he played Sherlock Holmes, he played The Mummy. Um, I'm not sure if he did Frankenstein as well, but that was kind of his niche. That was what he did. Was that he was The, at the time, the, like the Robert Englund, you could say of the time, where, you know, he's famous. If he's in a horror movie, it increased levels, uh, for the interest people would have in it. I would say it's probably Man with the Golden Gun, probably the first legitimate movie he did outside of horror, that, uh, or maybe outside of, you know, lower budgeted, uh, British films that was probably a big deal. So maybe his mainstream breakthrough, but, from what i understand at least from what my mom says i mean he was very well known throughout the 60s
2: oh and as we mentioned uh on an earlier episode he was fleming's cuz so well yes
0: exactly um very important uh to note that as well and i believe fleming had wanted him for a long time to be in a bond dr no dr no
1: yeah, Doctor you know, no,
0: yeah. Well, see, that, that's why he's getting avenge, like, revenge for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to play him. Um, he he went on to actually re- reprise his role as Scaramanga in GoldenEye Rogue Agent, the video game, um, interestingly enough. And uh, his final role, I'm reading here, that he completed before his death uh, is in a movie called Angels in Notting Hill, where he provides the voice of God slash Mr. President. So, um, <laughs> God
2: and the President. Well...
0: He's a very powerful man, Mr. President. So I um, want
2: someone to re-edit uh, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings so Saruman has the golden gun in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings and Dooku carries the golden gun around. <laughs> <Seven>. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: and we have Dooku going, Nick, Nick! Tabasco. <laughs> and Yoda pops up. Oh, Tabasco, if, you ordered you did. <laughs> what if
1: during his fight with Anakin, Anakin cuts his arms off, then he rips his shirt open and he's got three nipples?
0: <laughs> a, serp- a serpifluous areola? Is that the. Uh, I can't even say it. Anyway, uh, so then we get into. <laughs> Yeah, I can't do it. What was that? Uh, Beverly Hills Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop, again. Um, into the title credits. Now, we always kind of separate this into song slash credits. Um, credits? Boring <laughs> as batshit, let's be honest. like We get like one woman, a gun, uh, a bit of bush and nipples, um, a seductive look, and then some fireworks with a woman dancing. Like This is probably the most boring silhouetted sequence up until this point but the song i actually like this song i i think noah you don't but i honestly think that the 70s we'll talk about this probably in our music one i think the 70s is the strongest decade for music you've probably only got one song that is shit and i would argue i know everyone hates me for saying this i think the 90s has three great songs but when you look at the 70s you've got what five great songs and one shit one um so, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. Lulu sings it. We all love a bit of Lulu. Um, originally, was offered to the likes of Elton John and Cat Stevens. Uh, there's a Alice Cooper version that's out there, um, which wasn't used. So, um, they went with Lulu, who gives us some pretty suggestive lyrics. Um, I think I mentioned in our intro episode that... I like to make up lyrics and just sing random songs, and this is one of those ones that I'm always making up lyrics to and just singing to <laughs> Louise and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, this is a great you can song.
2: Can I give us a
3: teaser to of these lyrics?
0: <laughs> like, like if Louise farts or something, I go, Louise has a smelly bum. Like,
1: <laughs> No wonder she doesn't listen to your show. She just out her as, like, <laughs> gas-filled... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you did need to tell us that one.
0: Well, like, we've got two kittens, and they always do poos. So, like, I'm like, Mittens has a smelly bum. Yeah, whatever. I'm like 12. I think 12 you'd appreciate that one more. Just yeah.
1: transfer your embarrassing stories to the cats from this yes. point
0: on. <laughs> Done.
1: Yeah, now whenever you
2: tell a story about the cat, we know what you're really talking
0: about. I don't have cats. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, uh, shit, credits, great song.
1: Um, yeah, I'm going to completely agree with Ben. I don't understand... Starts out so surprised. You start
3: out so surprised. I completely agree with Ben!
1: <laughs> let's be honest. We're talking about music in a Bond movie. I mean, it's, it's not really a badge of honor to agree with Ben Waterworth. <laughs> but, like, the this, this song is so much fun. And, I mean, the criticism the song gets, again, I don't think it's really that fair. People say that, you know, the, the, the lyrics are too suggestive. It's like, if you put this and diamonds are forever side by side diamonds are forever is way more suggestive than this and i think that i do think compar- this is suggestive
2: this is blatant
1: but so was diamonds are forever and if the song itself is a fun song and some people criticize lulu's vocals some people love lulu's vocals i think that it, it has energy to it which is something the movie is unfortunately lacking and you know we're coming off of live and let and die which was a little bit more of an energetic song and there's some people out there who like to say that Alice Cooper's version would have been better. I'm sorry, like Alice Cooper, you would think would deliver a more energetic, lively song than Lulu, but he doesn't. Alice Cooper's song is pretty dreary and and dull. Um, it's it's catchy. It's uh, it's it's fun to sing to. It's fun to play along with. Um, it, it's I I always look this as one of my favorite Bond songs, and now I'm going to kind of ruin my reputation for people out there who hate <laughs> it, but. It's it's such a fun song, and uh, I have no complaints about it. The, the credits, on the other hand, I mean, yeah, I, I think I've commented in the last three podcasts that the title sequences for Diamonds of Forever, Live and Let Die, and Man with the Golden Gun all seem to be just following the exact same formula. And Live and Let Die is the only one that I think really works, and this is definitely the weakest of all of them. I think you know you have uh the the cool shot of the the girl who's kind of like you know wag- wagging her fingers and that's <laughs> the opening shot and after that it's just all downhill
2: uh yeah i don't have too much to add on the title sequence um looks like they just reused some volcanoes from you only twice <laughs> in the background <laughs> or something um and she's not even a good dancer um i don't know what that dancing was um uh, yeah, I think next film is kind of the beginning of the great title sequences. And then from there, we see some good ones. There's still some clunkers in there, but I think beginning with the next one, we get some good ones. Um, <laughs> the song. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to say I hate it because um, I can kind of I enjoy it in an ironic way, I guess, because it's so ridiculous Like compared to Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, Die Another Day, which you just can't enjoy it. Period. Hey. Um, so you can at least enjoy this one for what it is, and it's definitely one that gets stuck in your head a lot. Um, and it fits the film quite well, and I'm a fan of Cat Stevens, but I think that would be a terrible <laughs> Bond theme.
0: Ooh, la-la-la-la-la, man golden with the gun, <laughs> he's a man with the golden
2: gun, like, it would
0: be horrible. Use of Islam, as he is, of course, now known. Yeah, um, you said that with such uh, gusto. Well, I used to just. Oh, I used to when I worked in the music shop. You'd always have people coming out to the counter. Do you have any Cat Stevens? And I'd be like, Do you mean use of Islam? Ah,
2: you sound like <laughs> the worst employee ever.
0: Well, because we had to file it under use
2: of Islam. Well, let's not touch that one. Um, Nobody did. They didn't buy it. They were like, who's used to this <laughs> one? It <laughs> uh, wasn't, wasn't the best commercial decision, was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the Alice Cooper. I'm a fan of Alice Cooper, but uh, I agree. The song is not great. It's not bad, but it's not great. Um, so this one is at least fun. I'll give you that. But it's so ridiculous, and she's so ridiculous. Um, like He comes right before he kills, Like. I...
1: The guy who put Diamonds Are Forever as his number one Bond movie is complaining about something being ridiculous (laughs) in the panel of the
2: Golden (laughs) gun. No, that's why I like... That's my positive for the song, is that it's ridiculous. Because if it wasn't ridiculous, there's nothing good in here. But I was thinking today, um, we always talk about when they don't have a song, they should just use Goldfinger. And I was thinking, this fits so well for Goldfinger. because Scaramanga! (laughs) He's the man, the man with the golden
0: gun. Didn't know Bob, Bob Dylan was
3: <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I think it fits perfectly for that one. Um, it's not the worst song ever, but it, it, it is not great. Come on. It's, but it's no Die, uh, die Another Day.
0: Got to put out there, um, Lulu has a connection with another podcast of ours. Noah grows. I'm going to hand this over to you. Do you know what the connection is? Uh, she was on Eurovision. <laughs> she won Eurovision. <laughs> She did. 1969. Not with this song. She won. Uh, no, it wasn't this song. Um, but yeah, she won Eurovision in 1969 with the hit single "Boom Bang A Bang." Uh, <laughs> so, and she al- just
2: as good as this one.
0: And she also performed at the uh, closing ceremony of the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. They obviously couldn't find anyone else. Um So,
2: good on you, Lulu. Well, I will say, Colin said this is
0: like uh,
2: an upbeat one. This is definitely the most party one we're going to have until a long time. Like, from now on, it's going to be quite dreary and uh, for your reason so. I, I'll give you that. It's All fun. time high. <laughs> yeah. um, so, we're going to go through a long stretch of slow ballads. I well,
0: think. we have to point out, we mentioned with... um uh uh live and let die that it's that's one of the top two most iconic. I'd put this up maybe top five in no. terms you know not necessarily of greatest. It's not that's iconic a, at all. No, but I think this is one that everybody knows. I,
2: I and, would uh, I don't know about
0: that. I would say probably top five, top ten, ones that everybody knows. I don't know. Yeah,
1: anything. I yeah, I don't know if it would be top five, but I think you have a good uh, argument there because go up to even some diehard James Bond fans and say, can you sing for us the theme from Octopussy? They're going to have no idea. Oh, I mean, most them have no idea about Moonraker.
0: Yeah, that's, that's Moonraker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the moon.
0: I have to say, too, we mentioned with Live and Let Die that like it, it's a song that's built on not many lyrics, and this is the complete opposite. Um, this is like a novel compared it's, to... It's just so forced rhymes, though. <laughs> but it's, but it, I think what it works in its favour is that it's... it. I mean, it. Every lyric is basically about Scaramanga. Like it just it sells everything about his um, character. Love uh, is required. Well, because he needs a honing. We <laughs> shall see.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: what's the 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 room line always makes me. Uh, what is it? In the
0: next room, or this very one. The very one. <laughs> the man with the golden duck Well, Come because on. he can be in the next room or the one, and he'll still kill you. Like in the next room or this very one, even. <laughs> Watch out, Lulia. <laughs> 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 I I, I do mean? like Colin just mentioned it though. My favourite loop besides, um, he comes just before the kill. It comes before the kill. His eye may be on you or me. Who will he bang? We will. <laughs> <laughs> See? Oh yeah, <laughs> and the oh.
2: glittering shot.
0: Yeah, well, it's got a got golden, poor victim, golden bullet. Like, yeah. Anyway, all right, good. It's a good but, call. I'm,
1: wonder- I'm wondering. This is a very suggestive song. What is he doing, crouched on a rooftop somewhere? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Masturbating. Um, yeah,
1: and I thought he was in a room,
2: or this very one. He's, Where is yeah. he? He
0: has an addiction to. Are you? To... <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, that's Moonraker is about Scaramanga.
0: Oh, uh, you had to bring up the one bad 70s song, didn't you? Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Um,
2: that's... Let's, 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 can we just think about it before we move on? He comes right before the kill. How disturbing is that?
0: Well, it's true. Like, he has to. Like, <laughs> he's not oh, going to be able to kill the man. Jimmy have nothing to do anything with <laughs> Well, what about Good It's goodnight? disturbing. Yeah, all right. So, uh, we then move on. Uh, Bond into the office uh, sees M and uh, the British British squad, the most British people in the world.
2: That's, uh, we, sorry about him, but we should point out that's the first appearance of Tanner in a Bond film. Tanner. Which you would not even really notice because they never even really mention.
0: Um, well, we'll get to Tanner, no doubt. So, you know, we'll he, we'll come back to him. Um but yeah we get uh this whole introduction we learn a bit more about Scaramanga despite what Lulu told us um and obviously James Bond was listening to the song because he knows a lot about him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yes I know that from Lulu. Yeah. <laughs> I just heard the opening credits. Um <laughs> I, I do I do love how he plays it. Scaramanga. Oh, yes, the man with the golden gun and (laughs) clothes. That's the end of the movie, right? (laughs) Um, And this the first mention of the title since On Her Majesty's Secret Service, is it? Well, we forgot that famous line from the last film.
1: You better live or at least let die. Well, and- remember the nightclub singer says "live and let die." <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: That's a very good point, actually. Um, so we learned about him. Nobody knows what he looks like, except for the fact that he has a serp- serpulous areola, a memory, gland, a memory gland, a third nipple. Now, I just want to single that bit out because this begs the question. Like, if nobody knows what he looked like, but somehow they've got the intel that he's got a third nipple, whoever leaked that intel, did they not look at his face? Like, was he so hideous, this nipple, that they just completely forgot what he looked like? And, like, is this not the one thing that perhaps Scaramanga could do is to just never take his shirt off, and then he would never get discovered?
1: Um... Yeah, I think that the nipple is the equivalent to what Austin Powers' mole is. It's like, once you lay your eyes on it, you just can't take it off. It's <laughs> the only thing you can think of. Well, if
2: if we really want to not joke about it and dive into it, we could make an argument that uh, Andrea leaked that information. True. But I don't know why she wouldn't just tell him, Tell them he looks like Dracula. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks like that evil guy from Star Wars that will be released in 30 years. <laughs> Um, I just always wondered like, like that's you know the distinguishing feature. Like, surely it could be something else. Like, he's got a big ass, or, <laughs> or something. Shake that booty, Scaramang. <laughs> my anaconda don't. Uh, anyway, well,
3: well,
2: my Scaramang. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is from the book though. Uh, the third nipple. So I guess that's why they included.
0: Well, it's it's. I mean, this is a good setup. We get to sort of know that he's got this reputation, like he's such, you know, a, a shot, a big shot killer, um, and that nobody knows what he looks like. And then, of course, we get the fact that there's a uh, bullet that has been sent to MI6 again. James Bond, well known, they know his address. Um, with 007 bullet, printed, with his name. bullet with his name on it um, and uh, this leads M to take him off his current assignment but sir, the solar energy crisis um, which will, you know, coincidentally lead back into this later on um, I wish
2: he was on Operation Bedlam
3: still <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and then of course we see him not too happy about it, goes out tries to get a bit more information about Money Penny. we learn about the fate of poor old 002 <laughs> um, penny Penny m- misses him. Um, and then uh, Money Penny gets compared to a computer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then we learn about 002. They didn't know it was Scaramanga because they couldn't find the bullet. Now, we'll go straight into Beirut pretty much in a second. But um, just uh, the whole M lead up scene and everything else, there's uh, not a whole lot really to add, I guess, on this scene.
1: No, I mean, my complaint about it. Is- I'm gonna have a lot of complaints for the first half of the movie is that the it's just not that interesting. And I think one of the other problems here is that they jump so quickly into the story. I mean, we got this great introduction to Scaramanga, and you know, it's only a five minute scene, but they found a way to fit everything in there, and there's almost too much exposition in this scene, and I would have rather seen Bond like in the beginning of Live and Let and Die. Um not that we have to see him at home again, but Let's get a real Bond introduction. Like, uh, you know, Dr. No, he was in a casino from Rush with Love. He was out on a date with Sylvia. Uh, Goldfinger, he was on vacation with Dink, you know. I mean, (laughs) I just didn't want them to jump into the mission this quickly. And uh, I think that kind of hurts the movie because this movie gets a lot of criticism for just, you know, being plotless and dumb. But, I mean, they throw a lot at you in this one scene here. And I don't think it really helps the movie.
2: I, I just enjoy that it's a return to the classic uh, through the double padded doors and get a mission because I'm thinking back, was it maybe <laughs> from Russia with Love the last time we had that? Because Goldfinger, he was already in Miami, um, Thunderbolt, he went into that big, the, like the massive. Uh, set with uh, of the all the agents um only lived twice was on the company boat um mm-hmm. uh would be majesties then uh, actually yeah. I'm thinking of um yeah but it's been a while so we've had diamonds up forever where they were in the diamonds thing um Living let die obviously was in his house so it's um, it's good to see it back to the classic i always like and i really hope specter includes uh go into the doors and get the mission Um, And obviously, yeah, there's Tanner, which is so insignificant in this one. Um, The bullet with the name on it is just ridiculous, but I do like the reveal of that, and I I guess we won't spoil it. We'll talk about that later, but initially it's just stupid. Um, And, yeah, Bond really does play Captain Exposition here, where he just tells us everything we need to know um, about Scaramanga, which this... I will say here, this doesn't use much of the book at all in this film, but pretty much all this ba- uh, circus backstory and everything about Scaramanga is taken from the book. And I will point out that Goodnight is in the book and there's yeah. an island location in the book. And other than that, we're pretty much talked about everything that's in the book. There's
0: not too many similarities, but they is do Nick-nack, use some Is nick knack in the book? Uh, no. Ah, oh, I'm not reading it then. Um, I do love the line when Bond's like, who would want to shoot me? And it's like, jealous husbands, humiliated tailors. <laughs> <laughs> like, humiliated tailors. Why? Because he, like, looks good in a suit? Like... I don't get that. Yeah, uh, don't forget the outraged chefs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we go to Beirut. We go to uh, Lebanon. Which I, is this the first time we've gone to the Middle East at this point? I I think. Um, and Just we get Turkey. Yeah. Probably not. Well, that's sort of Middle probably East. Probably should. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd count that. Um, and we get lovely belly dancer, um, and we get the goons that are not liking the fact that this belly is dancing for another man. Oh no, what a bitch. Um, <laughs> and we see the bullet, of course, in her stomach as a lucky charm, and then we get Bond just walking backstage. Um, I've written here, ready to fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, good note-taking, Ben. Um, When we get, like, (laughs) porn saxophone music playing as he, like, starts kissing her abdomen. Oh, you've got a marvellous abdomen. Uh, (laughs) And then we get this big fight situation where just they all come in and start bashing on Bond. Um, He manages to get the charm and swallows it. I love his reaction when he's like... Um which eventually leads him to getting into a taxi um <laughs> wanting to do his to the cab- forget farmers. <laughs> Bond going to get a laxative. I think <laughs> we're missing
2: <laughs> elementary, Dr. Light, aren't
0: they? Um and then of course we then cut to uh Bond with Q and Colthorpe uh discussing the bullets, a four point two millimeter. Gunned, which Bond goes, there's no such thing. And then Q's like, oh, absolutely not. We've discovered blah, 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 blah. And then we all get this sent to Macau. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a fun scene. You know, we think Bond's about to get lucky with random belly dancer girl and learn that he has to get some laxities. And we get to meet um, Colthorpe, who I know, of course, is the actor. All Forty Towers fans out there is one of the hotel inspectors in the Hotel Inspector episode
1: uh well, i didn't actually recognize him from that so as soon as back. i saw him i'm like "Faulty towers uh well, we already had manuel in an earlier episode didn't we uh <laughs> and we're gonna have yeah uh... coming
0: up soon as well yes <laughs> 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 well that's where all the Faulty towers actors have gotten to right?
1: <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean the scene's okay the, the fight's very average for a bond fight uh this is kind of where i don't know if guy hamilton coming off of diamonds are forever and live and let die that somebody was telling him we need you to take this more seriously because again it's surprising me that this movie gets criticized as being for over the top and goofy when really it is more serious and in its tone than the previous two but you still do have those awkward moments i think this is one of the areas where the movie doesn't work um if you're gonna have things like bond swallowing swallowing a bullet out of a woman's belly and you know needing uh a modium from the pharmacy i mean you probably should have a goofier movie overall because it just doesn't seem to work for me in this sequence uh i think the funniest part it probably wasn't even really that intentional was where um you know, they first start fighting, and the the belly dancer she just screams, My perfumes! Like, forget that there's three men really to kill each other. Just, you gotta worry about your beauty care products. Uh, yeah, the a laxative in a Bond movie, I mean, it, it really just doesn't work for me. Um, Gives you the shit? Yeah. Yeah. The, Bon, bon deserves a little bit more class in this, I think. There's a few moments throughout this movie where, again, I overall I like that the tone of this movie is a little bit more serious and a little bit more sophisticated, but then you have moments like this where it just feels completely out of place.
2: Uh, yeah, this entire scene, it's really pointless, isn't it? Like, there is no huge need. They could have just, in the mission briefing, saying, we've acquired this bullet from the Fairbanks case. And they go to the lab it's like, all right, just a quick stop off in beirut um but it has got its mo it's fun like it's not like I hate the scene, but it's quite pointless um the fight, yeah, it is average, but it's it's still a hand to hand fight which I always enjoy um I want to see the bill Fairbanks prequel series when are we going to get that mm-hmm. um might be inspector 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 um <laughs> What's most disturbing for me is he says, get me the nearest pharmacist and then literally cut to the Q-lab where they've got the bullet. like, ew, <laughs>
0: and They did to have poo stains on it and they're, like, rinsing it off.
1: <laughs> yeah, like we need that gone... expression that M had where he just has his eyes bugging out. It's like, you did what <laughs> to get this bullet? Yeah, I,
2: I feel like they may as well go one step further with it and have some funny cue moments with it. But Would it, he, it would he
0: go off at the metal detectors at the airport, do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's quite disturbing, but it's good to be back at the Q Lab, and I like things happening in the background, like we haven't had that since Goldfinger, I don't think, so this really is back to basics with a a lot of this film, and uh, not just for this scene particularly, but the whole first part of the movie, I really enjoy... Bond investigating things for the case. Like, I always like when he has to do that Dr. No from Russia with Love style rather than just getting straight into the action. Like, he has to do a bit of research and investigation. So I like this first half, how he does that.
0: Well, then we get in. I'll group a couple of these scenes together and we can just talk about the key points to it. Um, Bond heads off to Macau. Um, He's there to find Lazar, a gunsmith, who helped produce the bullets? Um, we get a lovely interaction between Bond and Lazar's family. Um, and I absolutely love the bit where, after he gets taken out the back, they start scoffing down their dinner. Like, <laughs> it's almost like you interrupted us eating our dinner. We're going to eat it three times as fast now. <laughs> um, and it's a great scene. I love the scene with Lazar and he's like uh, telling him all about the bullets and how it's a great honor, an unexpected honor to meet <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Bond. <laughs> Again, knows who he is. Um, good to you know, he, he's nearby by Hong Kong, so we saw him in the papers. Um, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, he has a lot of nerve showing his face in Hong Kong again because he was
2: front-page news as a dead man, James Bond.
0: <laughs> well, he got surgery, of course. He looks yeah, like I think Roger it's Moore that now.
2: Spectre Roger Moore mask that's helping him.
0: Um, (laughs) he does a bit of, uh, interrogation work, uh, Bond with the, uh, trigger and, um, you're right, it's one inch too low. Um, and then we see him, uh, following, of course, uh, Andrea, uh, our first of, uh, what, three appearances by Maud Adams. Um, It's Octopussy! It's Octopussy, (laughs) she's, she's there on an all-time high. Um,
2: Wait, Andrea?
0: On well Andrea, Andrea, whatever. Potato potato. Um I'm i I'm proper, alright? I might like knickknack am French. Andrea. Um Is it white like knick knack? I'm you? French. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, we see Bond following her Um, basically until we get to the hotel room. Um, He manages to get information really quickly from hotel guards. Uh, And, of course, should I not forget that we also are introduced to the one, the only, Mary Goodnight. Um, Colin, who's more important, uh, Andrea or Goodnight?
1: Goodnight, of course. Thank you. Um, Although, if you're looking at the, the plot, Andrea really has a lot more significance in this uh this whole group of scenes let me see um the groin shot scene it's, it's a really interesting scene where he's holding the gun to him um but it's also one of those moments between this and the scene that's coming up with andrea where he's kind of twisting her arm you know roger moore has gone on record as saying that he wasn't really comfortable with how they wrote him as being you know kind of sadistic yeah very connery like
0: connery had no Um, problem he asked for more violence
1: yeah exactly um but I, i there's a great quote of roger moore's where he said that you know sean connery can do these things and you know it it comes across one way whereas with roger moore it comes across as sleazy and i really do kind of believe that i think that even though this the scene with him and lazar uh and the the gunpoint to the groin. I think it's probably the best of those like really sadistic scenes that Roger Moore has. It's also an example of something that just works so much better with Connery, and it does make Bond a little bit too sleazy. Whereas with Connery, he could kind of get away with the things a little bit more. Just difference in personality, um, but overall, it's 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 a fun idea for a scene. Um, with uh, with Goodnight, it's really interesting because. Bond kind of has a bipolar relationship with her. I mean, the first scene where she's introduced, he's kind of just annoyed with her for no reason. I mean, a lot of people criticize Goodnight as being just this dumb, bumbling character, but if you really watch the movie, she doesn't do anything wrong. It's more just Bond is kind of annoyed with well, her for some reason. Well,
2: I disagree with that.
1: No, she I sits think she's on she, a she... massive red button. Yeah, but I mean, we've seen Bond make little mistakes and accidentally do things. I mean, he almost blew up all of Fort Knox by cutting <laughs> the wrong wire. I mean, random guy not, saved the day. <laughs> yeah, in, in all honesty, I mean, I'll get into more of this later, but I don't think Mary Goodnight, as far as the way her character is written, is treated any differently than even Bond is treated. You know, she does things, she works, uh, she she tries, and sometimes she fails. And it, they're not playing her as just this complete idiot. They're just playing it as like, Things don't work for out for her sometimes, and Bond is annoyed with her sometimes. And other times, he wants to bone boner. I mean, it's really <laughs> kind of confusing to marry He is, and yet at the same time, I think this is where it helped having two actors who really understood comedy well. I mean, Britt Eklund is so good at comedy. I mean, she was married to uh, was Peter Sellers, so she really understood comedy, and um, I think that having them. Play Play off each other. This is something that if Sean Connery acted this way to marry Goodnight, Sean Connery looks like a douche, whereas Roger Moore, it's kind of fun and playful. So I really like the scenes with Goodnight. And Andrea, um, man, Octopussy's looking good at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, she hasn't uh, quite aged into Octopussy yet, but uh, yeah, the scene, it, again, it's a little bit tough to watch uh, with the twisting her arm, but it also helps her character because the Andrea Anders character is a lot more complex than what we've had in pretty much any Guy Hamilton movie uh, you know she's kind of this broken woman she's scared she's uh, abused and when he's twisting her arm you know that's something that you know if he did that to a secret agent like he, you know, when, he, when he's doing it to Tanya and from Russia with Love it's not that it's more acceptable but I mean it's, it's within what they do for a living and with her her reaction really sells it is like, wow, this is going too far. This woman doesn't really deserve it. So the scene does have its place as far as establishing her character.
2: I think, uh, what was it? Is her name Severin or something like that? Skyfall? I think in Skyfall. Severin.
1: Yeah. poor woman's, uh, Andrea.
2: Um, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea is the most important character in the entire film. If you really think about it with the, the bullet and setting off these chain of events, uh, there's a good chance none of this happens without Andrea. Um, And I know uh, a big complaint you had for Tiffany is she has no purpose in the film or the plot is the same with her. And Goodnight, you wouldn't say that completely, but a lot of it there is no purpose and the plot could be exactly the same, but you can't say the same for Andrea. And Andrea really should have been the main Bond girl with Goodnight being the funny kind of, substitute one the the plenty or the ruby or um
3: plenty <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah let's not let's not go back into that again um look i'm not the biggest goodnight fan but a lot of the positives you guys say is that she's funny and i agree with that she is really funny it makes for some funny moments but sometimes it's so re- getting into the trunk of the car is just ridiculous um and it's hilariously bad when she opens the car when they're in the air, but we'll get to that, um, and when she sits on the button, but she does have some funny moments, I love that she keeps getting stood up, um, and the chemistry is good between those, uh, good, um, but yeah, in the grand scheme of things, she's not a great on girl, but she has her moments, um, And Andrea is good. I think she's better as Octopussy, but I think the character of Andrea is maybe more interesting. Um, uh, Yeah, I I, I don't understand how you hate Tiffany and like Goodnight, but maybe we shouldn't get into that debate again. Um, In terms of the... Macau scene, I do really like that scene because I talked about him from Russia we love the the building of the world and kind of um what more uh, what bond has to go into and I totally buy this kind of underworld type shady business where a shady tree where uh there's this guy operating out of Hong Kong who makes guns for criminals and I think it's just a really well done scene and then the groin shot and everything there so i this is probably one of my favourite scenes. I always like the nighttime and how good is that Hong Kong version of the Bond theme? I, I fit, think that fits the movie so well. So, um, and then Bond's be- beating up Andrea is a little uncomfortable, and then we learn that Scaramanga will be at the Bottoms Up Club uh, coming before <laughs> it kills. So, yeah, I good night, and Andrea. They're not one of my favourites in the grand scheme of Bond, but. They fit with the film. I'll
0: give you that. I have to say, and we've talked a lot about this already um, when it comes to some actors and we've got plenty to talk about in future films as well. I always have a bit of a gripe with film and TV series when they use same actors and actresses in different roles <laughs> in the same canon. It annoys me. I'm a suckler for continuity and yeah. it just annoys me um, that... Like, I, mean, I just
2: like to pretend everything fits into the world where like, they use Charles, uh, Henderson as the mask for the new Blofeld and uh, Andrea didn't really die and she escaped to India and changed her name. I just like to fit everything yeah. into the continuity, even though it doesn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, what's his name in uh, Living Daylight's villain is then... Yeah. He's, you know... Jack Wade, Jack Wade. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's how it this works. This
2: is kind of relevant to that, but not really. We should point out that Goodnight is in the novel, but she's actually in a hell of a lot of the James Bond novels as a British secret agent or Bond secretary at one point um, turned secret agent. So like, I like that they included that Goodnight didn't meet Bond for the first time in this. They kind of had this history. Mm-hmm kind of a nod to the book there, but uh, um, we could have seen Goodnight a bit more in the past, but I do like they
0: included that in there, though. There's no Sylvia, but... Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I like yeah, I like how, like, when you're introduced, it's, like, automatically, like, oh, they've got a relationship, and yeah, as... It's, like, uh, it's a Paris car. As Collins. That's,
1: I was going to say, that's where it works that he's kind of a jerk to her. Yeah. Because you get... And it's not completely explained, but you get the idea that, like, again, it's not that she's dumb. I mean, she she accidentally cuts him off or whatever, but it's not that she's dumb. It's just, you get the idea that there's this pre-existing relationship where maybe she was kind of an annoyance to him for one reason or another. And the fact that you don't get it stated makes it more interesting.
0: Well, you mentioned Paris Carver or jokes aside. Now, of course you have that with an electric King and like you, you have these relationships, which I, again, in the grand scheme of things, I like it when you have it. So, I mean, there's possibilities for prequels and books to be written about, you know, things beforehand.
2: Well, like well, stuff. it works for Goodnight, because Goodnight is such an insignificant character to the plot that we don't need this introductions or anything like that, because she's not relevant to Scaramanga or anything like that. That's what Andrea's character is. So I think it works with Goodnight. It's just she's an agent, she knew Bond, that's it, bring on some comedy.
0: And she's beautiful. Can we just point out that Brit a- and Andrea... Yeah, so both... I would
2: probably put uh, Brit over Maud. Yeah, I would. Brit, Brit, yep. looks great no, like we're TV. ranking women off <laughs> <laughs> we are
0: but, but um no I think yeah and as Colin married to uh, Peter Sellers and I'm just seeing he was in I'm a celebrity get me out of here and uh, also appeared in Fantasy Island. I'm a long way. There. Uh, Fantasy Island, of course, alongside Knickknack. Uh,
1: I, I forget that she was she was the female lead to Christopher Lee in The Wicker Man, like a year before this.
0: Well, there you go. See, there's so many connections. And of course, Peter Sellers appeared in Casino Royale. The yeah. funny version, not the Daniel Craig. I version. have
2: seen The Wicker Man, but I did not realize Britt Ekland was in The of Nicholas Officer Cage version. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Please.
2: Yeah. No, the original I, I knew Christopher Lee was I have to go back and watch February
0: oh god I just that scene Nicholas Cage Nicholas Cage is Bond can we imagine that no James um... Bond James Bond <laughs> oh god uh, where are we up to yes bottoms up <laughs> uh, I love the fact that they actually say bottoms up and then straight away what do we see a bottom and it's top.
2: Well, something else is up anyway. <laughs>
0: yes. Not just my hands are up. Um, <laughs> and uh, we get this uh, lovely scene. Bottoms up. Bond's waiting outside. It's uh, going to see. Scaramanga has no idea. Hopefully Scaramanga will be topless, as he said. Hopefully he's going to be <laughs> dancing at Bottoms
2: up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you Chris, Christopher Lee. Woo! I laughed at that
1: line.
0: <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Um, and at the same time, we see scaramanga getting it on with andrea um, because he comes just before he kills um and yeah waiting outside uh bottoms up bond waiting waiting and uh we see scaramanga behind oh he's gonna shoot bond and we see the gunshot and of course he's not shooting uh bond he's shooting the solar solar what's his name gibson gibson thank you um i'm doing well in my notes here i've actually written here Gibson shot. Um, so I just wasn't yes. reading my thing. Uh, and he, of course, we find out has a Solex agitator. Um, and we also get introduced uh, to somebody who I know Noah apparently likes, Lieutenant Hip, um, who is uh, posing as a cop, basically. Um, and then we get this long drawn out scene on the boat and uh, taken out to, is it the Queen Elizabeth? Is that what the name of the boat? Yeah. Yeah. HMS Elizabeth. HMS Elizabeth. And, of course, Bond is uh, getting a bit nervous here, what's going on. But we find out this is all just uh, MI6, basically, hanging out in this boat with the set. Everything's bent, and they're trying to put, like, <laughs> flat floors and everything else there. And, and- M and Q decide to show
2: up to Hong Kong.
0: Yep, why not? They're bored. Um, Got to make sure that the press is all controlled so nobody recognises him from uh, uh, from uh, You Only Live Twice. So, uh, yeah, and then we learned about the Solex agitator, and this sort of pointless plot to the movie. Um, not too sure. Um, and, yeah, this whole situation and how it all plays out.
1: Um, the fake assassination, I guess, say on bond it's an interesting idea i just don't think it's executed that well i would have liked a lot more shots of scaramanga maybe like start it with scaramanga setting up his gun and you know uh, more from his perspective because i don't think it really plays well that he was ever going to kill even try to kill bond the idea of lieutenant hip uh, again it's an interesting idea they do this in a lot of the movies but i mean for one thing <laughs> He is the most poorly dubbed actor I have ever seen. <laughs> his lips never match what he's saying. And secondly, I'll get into more later, is how he's probably the worst secret agent in history. Uh, so I'm not really a big fan of his. But I like you know, the, the sunken Queen Elizabeth. It's a very cool idea. And this was one of those things where they saw a location and they're like, we have to use this so they started filming before they really had a script and you know does it really make sense in the movie no but it's one of the only interesting things i think early on one of my complaints about this movie i'll get into more later is that we don't really get to see anything interesting for the first half of the movie the most of the locations are very bland you know the the street where um the uh gibson's shot on you know it's just kind of a random street and we could have seen something bigger and having this sunken ship and that there's a secret base inside, that's an interesting idea that this movie could have used more of in the first half. I don't know why, I mean, M being there, he probably could have just pick up a phone and call, but why Q is there, I really don't understand. Because Q's at a briefing. I mean, this is a guy who builds gadgets, so why is he there at their intelligence briefing? What I think is most interesting is that this is probably Desmond Llewellyn's most unusual performance is Q because He's just such a know-it-all in this movie. Like everything he's saying, he almost has this attitude. It's like they're like Solex, like Solex agitator. And throughout the entire movie, he just keeps correcting people. It's kind Shut of an up, interesting portrayal. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, want M to say that. Now I'm not going to say he's. I'm not annoyed by him, but this is like us getting a glimpse of annoying Q, and it's a little bit of an idea of what we're going to get with the Are new. We're talking Q about them, we
2: here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was
1: going to say it's it's similar to what they're doing with the new Q in the new ones that he's just kind of got this attitude about him and he's a little bit obnoxious and a bit of a know-it-all. And I think as far as I can tell, maybe we'll pick apart more later on, but this might be the only movie in which they really did that with Q. Uh, Q has a lot to do in this movie and it's something different for Desmond Llewellyn to play. So maybe it was a makeup for live and let, or live and let die his absence in it.
2: Yeah. Um... I like the boat. Like, it looks amazing when Bond's on the boat and they show that, but <laughs> it is a bit silly with the sideways set. Uh, there. It just looks off. Um, I do like the shut-up cue, and he says it twice. It's quite funny. Um, I think, it. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Um, Lieutenant Hip, I didn't know they made entendre names for the male characters as well in Bond. Um, I'm not a fan of his. I just think... He's kind of like Quarrel Jr. There's just no presence, there's no chemistry, there's nothing there. Um, and I really wish and I don't want people to take this the wrong way because it's not intended, but if they're going to have a, an Asian like male ally who is in some sort of authority figure, why why not just bring Tiger Tanaka back? Cuz we love Tiger. It's the wrong country for one. <laughs> yeah, but like he could be on an mission in Hong Kong like Bond doesn't only do missions in England, he well, goes to
0: Hong Kong. It's a good point, because I guess Felix like comes to other countries, yeah. so...
2: It's not just like a tiger to He's his I'm...
0: Asian contact, like he covers all of Asia.
2: Yeah, yeah, good Good point. <laughs> but I guess he kind of is the head of Station J, so he kind of probably has to be in Japan. But still, he could be on a mission in Hong Kong working with MI6. Because um, Lieutenant Hip is just... <laughs> There's nothing there. I do, I do like some of his scenes with his uh, nieces. or <laughs> <laughs> It's quite funny. But, yeah, I'm not a fan of hip. I wish they brought back Tiger Tanaka. Um, and, yeah, the Solex agitator. I, I don't think it's a point. I like how they intertwine, like he mentions at the beginning of the film, how he's working on that case, and then he kind of gets rid of it, and you see that there's actually a connection, and that that's the guy Bomb was talking about at the beginning. I think that's quite cool, but the whole the whole plot, taking energy from the sun, is just kind of weird. Um, I I might as well bring this up now. I, I wish that wasn't even anything to do with the movie. I think I would think the movie would be better if it was literally Scaramanga wants Bond dead, Bond's trying to get Scaramanga, and it's just this cat and mouse kind of game through the entire film. I think that would work much better. Um, they don't have to have this over-the-top villain plot, I don't think.
0: Well, I, I agree with that, and this is where I think it's pointless, because uh, I was saying this to you off air, and I, I think if you kind of analyse the whole, you know, Solex agitator plot, I see... Bond and the British as the evil people here because, like, Scaramanga's not doing anything wrong. He's offering energy to countries and he's, like, <laughs> going to let them pay him for it. If anything, he's just, like, an energy company that's offering to, like, give you good power. Like, what's wrong with that? He's
2: extorting.
0: It, like, well, he's not, you know, the evil. And he has a but, laser. But, but, like... But like the british just want to steal it for them to use so that they can probably do the same thing like if the whole laser bit which he uses to blow up the plane later on if maybe he's threatening to like blow up countries who don't want to go along with his plan yes he's an evil bastard but i just see him as like a entrepreneur who wants to sell energy (laughs) to countries
1: yeah i mean that's where the plot's underdeveloped because we see the laser later on and i always kind of assume okay well he's going to sell this along with you know, an opportunity to weaponize it, yeah. um, which makes total sense. Um, but they don't really explore that in the movie, so you do wonder. I, I don't think that the plot with the the Sol-X hurts the movie. I, I like that they develop it, but unlike you know, Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, where you have one plot and then halfway through the movie you just realize it's about something else. They kind of keep both of them in the movie, and I like that. Uh, They don't dwell too much on the Solex thing. It's really just there so they could blow up a set at the end because otherwise there's no reason to blow up Scaramanga's power plant or whatever. Um, But it sort of works in the movie. I mean, really more than anything, it was just playing on something that was going on at the time. Uh, So maybe it dates the movie a little bit that it is this solar energy crisis.
2: But even then, like, harnessing power from the sun to blow up uh, countries or... Blow up North Dakota. It's kind of just diamonds are forever. Like I think, just drop it and have Bond versus Scaramanga, and have Scaramanga get to head um, a point up, and then Bond does something, and he gets a heads up on him. Like just a back and forth, and then the final showdown would have worked so much better, I think. But I guess you need to pad the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah just hold off for twenty eight years and bring it back in a um, better movie that <laughs> uh, harnesses the energy uh-huh. from the sun. In what movie? <laughs> Movie, yeah, it's like the quickest we've played played it in a long time. Anyway, I haven't seen that movie. Really? Okay, then, good. Um, we should have mentioned, uh, high fat gets a mention, multi-millionaire, uh, um, high fat. Oh, it's a good name. Um, and, uh, we get, I love the little interaction he has with Q when he writes down the note, oh, grow up 007, really 007. Oh, it's a little kinky. Um, take <laughs> okay, good night with you. And we learn, obviously, that this plan is for Bond to have an extra nipple, um, because yeah. then we cut to Bangkok, um... Surrounded by big guards and houses, walls, I should say. I'm um, sorry
2: to butt in, but can I just quickly ask something before we move on? Because I have got Please do. To ask it. Is Hong Kong, besides England, the first repeat location? I'm probably wrong, but. I, well, like, San
0: Monique. The was... US
2: he goes to, but obviously. England. Places in the US. <laughs> I just said besides England.
0: San Monique was. Just Jamaica, we'll film there anyway. Um, no,
2: but actual place. Like, Obviously, he's gone to the US twice, but just Hong Kong, besides the US and England.
0: Well, yeah. he's been to the US three times, hasn't he, at this
1: point?
2: Uh, Goldfinger. Um,
1: Diamonds are
0: forever and live and let
1: die. Yeah. But I guess that Hong Kong is the same city that definitely
0: yeah. would count. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Somebody sorry. can correct us. There. I was just
2: wondering that, sorry
0: to buddy. You're 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 excused, Noah. Oh, thanks. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, so anyway, uh, we see them spying there, and uh, Mister Hip, he's all Lieutenant Hip. Sorry, is all like, oh, you know, Mister Takes his... if <laughs> it sounds better. Um, <laughs> he's, he's taking his security very seriously, but Bond just jumps the wall. Why not? Um, I love the scene where they're on the shoulders and um, Lieutenant Hips like, looking over and Bond's just standing there smoking. <laughs> the epitome of cool. Like, he's just spying and I'm having a smoke. Um, and then Bond gets in, um, gets to meet <laughs> Chew Me. Me? I fucking love the bit there when like, oh, I didn't bring my swimming trunks. Neither did I. Oh, and he starts to take off his and clothes. He goes to take. That's he's so, so horny, Bond. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's on a mission, o time, for a quickie, um, and then of course he gets caught. Uh, thinks he's about to get taken away, but no, he just keeps removing his shirt. Like, why aren't they saying, oh, don't stop taking, don't take your shirt. Oh, you've got a third nipple, Mr. Scaramanga. So any third-nippled man who might have, like, broken into the compound, who has no idea who Scaramanga is, is about to get it on with Chew Me, because I'm sure she says that to every man who rocks up. Like... Well, I
2: don't think many men have invitations (laughs) for dinner with high fat.
0: But I just think it's hilarious. Like what like Noah, hypothetically, you might have a third nipple. I don't know. Like if if you broke into the compound just for shits and giggles and you were topless, about to get it on with Chew Me. And then they're like, about to kick you out. Oh, you got a third nipple. You must be internationally if that renowned. but I think
2: they would definitely know I'm not Scaramanga.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you dine with us later on? Um, I just think it's funny. Uh, then we later on see him setting up. He's um, rather go to dinner with Goodnight. Yeah, right, Bond. Um, and we see the real Scaramanga, of course, um, with high fat, knowing that, of course, oh, it's not really. Um, Scaramanga Bond throws his nipple away In the bushes by the way <laughs> just, I love how he just Rips it off um, And then He Gets a lift back to the compound with um, <laughs> Lieutenant Hipp's nieces in the background. Now, am I the only one here thinking about Fuck You and Fuck Me from the Austin Powers movies <laughs> at this point? It's two schoolgirls in the back, I'm never mind. I'm
2: surprised I didn't give them like funny names, actually.
0: I, I think I, I like them. Am I the only one who likes them?
2: And, oh, and, I'll get to them.
0: And can I just point out, now, I'm not a huge expert on Asian languages, but they say Ni Hao Ma, which I believe, I believe is Chinese or Mandarin. And they're in Thailand, and I think they speak Thai in Thailand. So I've just... They wanted... not,
1: they're not in Thailand at this point.
0: Are they in Hong Kong at this point, are they?
1: Yeah, well, I think Thailand... I don't even know if Thailand is an official location in the movie for story purposes. I think they just filmed there for the islands.
0: So they're not in Bangkok, so... Okay, well, if they're in Hong Kong, then that's fine. That doesn't M say, say Bond has to go to Bangkok. That's to what meet I thought. I I thought High Fat was in Bangkok. That's what M says. That's where I was questioning. We'll do whether, more research. Like, let's reading here. Bond then travels to Bangkok to meet and high that fat. boy with
2: the twenty thousand bahts. He definitely. Oh right, high. yeah,
0: yeah, and okay, okay. So I'm not okay. But see, Bangkok. But I want to put that question out there to our listeners. But
2: we don't see him go. It's just
0: like, all right, now we're at the mansion. Again, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure Nihau Ma is like Mandarin or Cantonese. Yeah, Nihau and is Chinese, but I'm not sure if you add a Ma, it doesn't change. Uh, yeah, and they're in Bangkok, so maybe they're just Chinese speakers in Bangkok. Whatever. Just putting it out there, being a bit anal there.
2: Well, um, we have no idea where we <laughs> so are again, at the moment. <laughs> I just said I don't
0: know anything about Asian languages, but whatever. So, uh, Bond comes in. He going through um, Grizzly Land. Is that what he is? Like, oh, Grizzly Land. Grizzly Land. Um, it gets into Grizzly. a sumo fight gets knocked out after putting an atomic wedgie on one of the uh, sumo people. Nick about to kill him. Not here, because Bond's about to go to school. And I'll stop there, because I think that deserves Nick-nack a thing.
2: stabbed him. This would be the end of the film, and then Scaramanga wins. But,
1: like, the this end is- of the franchise.
0: This is-, <laughs> this is, like, maybe one bit which I'm just, like... What? Like I know Bond films are known for like oh there he's about to kill Bond. No wait, let's drag this on a little bit. Well, but he it, sends him to fucking what? Why?
2: Is it High Fat that tells him to go to school? I'm blanking. I not. I think sh- it's I think High so, Fat. Yeah. I think it is. So it would make sense if it was Scaramanga because Scaramanga wants to kill him in a fair match. But with High Fat, like, why wouldn't he want him killed? He knows it's not scaring
0: me. Well, I don't want to get ahead, because, again, we need to talk about this whole martial arts thing, like, separately. But, like, yeah. this is just my biggest, like, what the hell moment of this film. <clears throat> why the hell do you then send him to this martial arts thing when Nick Dak right then had had him skewered? You could have had Bond for dinner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, There is nothing about this whole sequence of events that makes any sense. Um this is, I think, the lowest point of the movie, not just because, as you're saying, the plot hole of, no, let's not kill him. Let's send him away and hope he doesn't wake up and go to a school where there's no guns and no pitchforks and tridents and let's kill him there somehow. They don't even say they're going to kill him there. Like maybe they just wanted to teach him you know, a little bit of martial arts. Who knows? Um, the problem I have with this has more to do with the fact that like people talk about how Mary Goodnight is just dumb and bubbling throughout the entire movie. Bond it looks la- that way here, too. I mean, he has this brilliant idea that he's going to assume the identity of Scaramanga, and you think for one scene it works, only to find out in the next scene that they never bought it. So why do this in the first place? Like I, This is another one of those moments where I would have rather they just left these scenes out and let the plot kind of unfold on its own. Like We don't need to see Bond pretending to be Scaramanga, especially considering in the very next scene you find out they never believed he was Scaramanga, and then they want to maybe kill him, but they're not really going to kill him. They're going to send him somewhere else where we're not sure what their motives are i mean it just completely falls apart here and i have to mention we have had two wedgies in three movies this is the problem with guy hamilton i mean every bit of class has been stripped from bond at this point I think he had a bad experience in high school <laughs> yeah. bond really just oh bond's not coming across as classy or dignified anymore i think it's just a problem with this movie um I think they also mentioned this. I'm pretty sure they mentioned it as a karate school too, which bit of a problem. Um, karate is very much a Japanese martial art. <laughs> I don't know why like I think this is again one of those things where people's not ignorance is in like you know a, a bad way, but just the fact that they didn't know much about cultures is kind of showing because as you said, they're speaking, chinese in thailand and they have a japanese martial arts school where really that martial art is not that popular and then the whole fight scenes just pointless i mean we get a little bit of a splay you think we're here at a martial arts school we're gonna get this great fight scene and bond just kicks a guy in the face and that's it and the the two nieces come in later and they kind of make quick work of these guys but again we're not really even seeing good fight scenes i think they're trying to play up on what was popular at the time, you know, with the Bruce Lee really brought in the Kung Fu movies. You know, he died a year before this. And, uh, I just, I don't understand hip either. Like I, I, complained earlier on that hip was a really bad secret agent. Why is he driving bond around while doing carpool? And why is he talking about this <laughs> secret mission in front of his nieces? I mean, <laughs> does this guy have nothing better he can do then just run carpools i mean hes he's the worst secret agent ever i 'm putting that out there <laughs> he's
0: a busy man like <laughs> yeah,
1: he's doing a favor for his
2: brother, looking up after his nieces um, he's not in Bangkok often, so
0: um, with his Chinese nieces <laughs> uh, i 'm all over Asia at this point. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I like the high-fat mansion scene. I I talked about developing this world with Lazar and his gun shop. Um, I kind of wish we got to know more about high-fat, like this criminal millionaire in Thailand mastermind guy. Like He's really not in much, and I think he would have made it for a great secondary villain. But he, he really isn't developed that much, which is a shame, because they were starting to get into this criminal business stuff, which I guess they explored that last film as well and even in diamonds are forever but i enjoyed like the the asian criminal entrepreneur but he's really just not much in there um i like chew me nikki Vanderzil, um <laughs> but it's it's quite ridiculous chew me like but i mean lick me <laughs> could have been a lot of things do but me <laughs> do me yeah i like do me <laughs> I think that would have worked better. Do me. Um, <laughs> I'm do me. Yeah, I like that one. Named uh, after your mother bath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the, I like the reveal that Scaramanga is there and High Fat's just uh, channeling his inner David Somerset um, to <laughs> try out his character acting of, oh, you're Scaramanga. I like that. Um but it is kind of bizarre as they've got Bond there. They've trapped him right now. Why do they have to lure him to dinner? Um, <laughs> hip's nieces in the car. I might as well talk about them now. I love the nieces. Um, a lot of that is criticised that they're really good at karate, which we'll get to, or kung fu or whatever. But I think it's hilarious. And I think even though they don't even speak English once, I think they're so funny throughout the film. Um And then we had Bond pretending to be a statue. Then we have Knick-Knack pretending to be a statue. I love that there's just sumos waiting there to to fight him. It's kind of very You Only Live Twice, where it's just henchmen everywhere. There's just these sumos. And Bond doesn't even think of them as henchmen. He just, oh, hello,
0: good day to you. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fight with Sumo. Oh, so. hi, okay, August. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah, he really should have got the disguise. He, uh, the new Thai disguise for this. <laughs> film. Um, Nihau Um, and you already touched on the take him to school. Like it's, they could have got him. I think it makes sense if Scaramanga says that because. Scaramanga wants to fight him in a duel, but for High Fat to say that, it's just random. Um, But, yeah, all all this is just nothing brilliant, but it's all fun scenes leading up to the the final battle and the Solex plot.
0: Yeah, we then get into just... Yeah, Colin touched on a lot of it, but, like, just this whole fighting situation school. Is it a school? Like, he doesn't learn anything. He's just sitting there, and <laughs> it's like, hey, come and, like, bash. I, I do have to say, I love the, like, is it a mandolin, like, playing the theme, the ding, 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 ding. Like, I like how that works. And you mentioned last episode, Noah, about the use of living and die theme in the movie. I, I like how they use the man with the golden gun theme.
2: I think it could have been oh. used more, though. Oh,
1: Honestly. wow. Wow. I completely disagree. I think that there, like, there
0: we go back to normal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like all they do in the movie, like there is almost no score in this movie outside of just playing the man with the golden gun theme. And I think it's one of those scenes that works better if it's sped up and it's used as an action theme. And most of the time they kind of just play it really slow. Even in action scenes, it seems be played too slow for me. I mean, it should be mentioned that it's not really John Barry's fault that this score didn't really work because he was given only three weeks to score the movie and obviously had no ideas other than, well, let's just rework the theme. We're, well, yeah, I, I, I see your point. I'll, I'll I give think you they needed point. a Rocky
2: up guitar for the car. <laughs> <So,
0: laughs>
2: that would have worked.
0: Sounds like a porno. Um, then we get this, yeah, the whole fight. Scene. I do love the bit, though, when Bond's in that fight and he just kicks that person. Like <laughs> just, judo. I, I love it. Yeah, judo oh. chop. Um, and then we get, just keep going. And then for some reason, Bond just jumps out of the wall. Like (laughs) like he's kicking people's asses. And then he's just like, oh, I'm just going to leave. And then they all start running after him. Like, well, you could have killed him before with a fork, but no, we've just got to all send everybody after you. Then we get the kick-ass nieces, as you touched on there, Noah. Um, and then... like the nieces? I like the nieces. I think the nieces are great. They're fun. The whole point I hate about this whole scene, you're talking about Lieutenant Hip being a useless agent. Why does he drive (laughs) off and leave Bond? Exactly. he, He had so much time to get him. And Bond doesn't even care. Like, why isn't Bond, like, going, hip? Like, like bloody J.W. Pepper is more reliable in this movie than <laughs> Lieutenant Hip, but that's saying something. I want to stop there because I, I need to keep the next bit separate for just the scene that I fucking love. But just this whole annoys me, the Lieutenant Hip driving off in this whole scene. You've touched on how pointless it is, but I just think that this whole sequence it could just be removed from the entire movie
1: there's a lot of sequences to be removed. I mean, like I said, there was no purpose to bond posing a Scaramanga. manga. There was no purpose to him being captured and almost killed by knickknack. There's really no purpose to the whole martial arts school. And hip is there only to rescue bond. And as soon as he finds bond, he drives off without him. And his nieces are yelling from the back. Like, no, no, he's back. They're still, it's too late. He's done for. Yeah, I want What's the here? translation what for what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Where was the subtitles for that? Um, yeah. I, I just don't. Oh, I would like the nieces more if any of these scenes made sense. And it's just one of those things where you, everything's happening so fast in the movie at this point, And none of it really is logical that it's just so hard to enjoy it. Um, and I think I was able to ignore it more when I was younger. But now, you know, that we're sitting down and we're analyzing these movies, it really just. Kind of spoils the story at this point because they've left the story on the back burner. We were talking about how they did a good job of setting it up early on, you know, maybe a little bit too quick and everything, and that we were getting to see Bond investigating things. Like Bond is just being thrown in from one pointless sequence into another at this point. And I don't even think the fight scenes are that good here. Um, they're trying to play up again on the whole fad at the time that martial arts movies were becoming popular outside of Asia. And they just give us a really crappy martial arts scene. Um, I think they probably just could have hired... Maybe go out and just pay a little bit of extra money and get the choreographers from Enter the Dragon and do something proper here.
2: Yeah. Um, well, we mentioned on Living Light, like Die, the black exploitation, and then this was really the enter, enter the Dragon kind of phase of the Kung Fu martial arts film. So that's why this scene exists. But it's quite poorly executed, Um Like, how are we going to fit this in? Oh I'll just say, take him to the school. Like, it really doesn't work. Um, I find the first part, even though Bond owns that guy, I find the first part really boring, like, just sitting there, like, watching a demonstration, like, why? Um, But then it, it definitely heats up when the nieces come in and Hip shows up. And people, I've seen complaints like, oh, this is ridiculous. Two young girls taking down these guys. But these girls were actual martial arts like experts. Like if you watch the behind the scenes, like they're not actors. They're here because that's what they do. Um, and it's just hilarious that Bond's like acting all macho and then
1: they just like push him back and ha, 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 like kicks him. Out, I so. think though, it, I think it's ridiculous because the other guys are supposed to be martial arts masters as well. I think if you just had this yeah. as a fight, scene... but it's funny Gil- though. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but yeah. <laughs> And I guess what I,
0: in the seventies, I mean, we're only just really getting into real like burn your bras, women's rights. So like, you know, no one <laughs> at this point is expecting like two young Asian girls. Mildred, did... put your bra back.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> First Mildred reference. Um, but, like no one's expecting these two young girls to come out and kick ass. Like, so
2: I almost always forget about it, and then like, oh, hey, that's that moment. Um, I think yeah, this bit you don't necessarily have to get the choreographers from End of the Dragon, but have at least a bit more Kung Fu, like they have the slow demonstration, and then it's like, probably not even one minute's worth of footage before Bond escapes, like have a bit more like a big fight across the entire school or something with lots of agents or lots of Kung Fu people Um, and then, yeah, hip leaving what more can I say, I wish they just one line, one single scene of like something preventing Bond getting in, like, just something. And
0: why does he let him help him out later on? Why isn't Bond, like, later on, like, fuck you, you left me behind.
2: They just need (laughs) one moment of, like, a guy attacking, like, jumping in the car and taking the wheel from Hip and driving off or something. Just something (laughs) there. Um like, obviously they're like, alright, we've got him here we need to get him into the boat for the boat chase, and it's just seemed like the writers were so lazy with like, transitioning from scenes for this film, so that irks me, but then uh, what's to come is going to be a very exciting and fun scene, so uh, I'll hand back to you, Ben
0: Oh, I'm going to lose my shit here because every time <laughs> I see this scene, it's... Oh. But before we get to that, um, I love it when Bong gets in the boat and he's, like, getting the engine up. Like, that's yeah, called that's a Mexican cool. screw-off, gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> off he goes. <laughs> the engine the engine breaks and we get to see charming little Thai boy jumping on boats. Like, real elephant? Real elephant! Well, i boat, too. Yeah, Jumping bath. off. That's cool. He falls off. on the boat with bond <laughs> he's just like he's he's trying to sell him the elephant and bond's just looking at him like what the fuck so like, you are very handsome mister 20 baht 20 baht elephant, real elephant i <laughs> just love the way more delivers a line like he just does it so perfectly i tell you what sonny i'll give you twenty thousand baht if you make this heap go any faster <laughs> And then he just turns one <laughs> little screw. <laughs> he like, and then he one... holds his hands out like, there you go, <laughs> twenty thousand baht. And that,
2: that <laughs> child's grin is just so yeah, perfect comment, comedic and, timing.
0: And if anybody, we've we've mentioned it a few times, and just go to YouTube and type in James Bond is kind of a prick because. <laughs> he... <laughs> Yeah, We've talked about it. him being a sexist and a woman basher, but now he becomes a child abuser because he pushes the kid. The floor.
3: Yeah,
2: this is a Connery move.
0: I cannot stop laughing at this scene. I'm afraid I'll have to owe you one. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody curious <tears>! Oh, so yes.
2: <laughs> uh, I wanna watch the scene <laughs> now.
0: In the Everything or Nothing documentary, when they show it, and I was actually watching that on the plane the other week when I was with Louise, and she's like looking at me going, "What is wrong?" and I'm like losing my <laughs> shit on the plane, and I had to rewind it and show Louise, and she laughed too. And then you've got Roger Moore like going, "Ooh," and I had to push a kid off into the water. Like I'm not into that. <laughs> talked about uh, what the
2: kid from Diamonds Are Forever saying, uh, "Blow up your pants." So, <laughs> uh, I
0: wonder what this kid is doing now, though. Bloody just,
2: tourist! Is he doing crazy... Uh, come on, come John on, Colin, title. come on,
0: get on to oh, IMDB. To yeah, I want to know uh, what what random um, real elephant... Can I just say one thing, though, that I noticed? When he started, like, going, you are very handsome, mister. Like, well, I've been to Malaysia, and... Um, they are genuinely genuinely like that to people to try and entice okay. you. We were at um you get off there was we went to a market and there was like the train station and there was like this store selling like you know rip off Nike bags and all this sort of stuff and my friend who I was with wanted to get one and this shopkeeper the whole time is saying to Sam and I Hello handsome boys You want bag? Hello handsome boys, this bag is so cheap.
1: That was exactly <laughs> what it was like in Nassau too when we were there. Yeah. Like you go through the markets no matter where you go and they will do exactly what this kid did. They will drop the price. Like you don't have to barter with them you just stay silent and they will yep. drop the price a hundred dollars yep. over the course of about 10 seconds
0: yep and they always start like at the most astronomical figure like you'd go and buy um sunglasses oh yeah a hundred ringgit and you'd be like oh over there they're selling three pairs for 40 ringgit oh five pair for 20 ringgit and i'm like okay <laughs> Like, mustn't be that hard to sell these things because they're obviously real. Um, but anyway, so Bond's off going there, and he's, um, you know, got his new supercharged boat thanks to the uh, helpful kid. And then we get introduced once again an old for, to an old friend. No, it's not Tiffany Case. No, it's not Puss Fellow. It's fucking jw pepper
2: <laughs> who, holiday in thailand.
0: who the most racist sheriff in all of louisiana is in thailand calling people pointy hats <laughs> um, i can
2: only imagine that he must have won a competition to get that holiday because that guy would not be buying a plane ticket to Bangkok. what's top. his
0: wife's name mary lou Maybell. May mrs,
2: mrs. jw
0: and she wants to buy one of those elephants and then i love it when he's like so is that billy bob's sister then <laughs> mm. <laughs> Must be. be. Um and then I love that when Bond goes through the boat and then he's like going, You point a hatch and no more control than a goony bird. <laughs> what is a goony bird? <laughs> <laughs> and what he's like in here, does he have something in his mouth? Like there's like yeah, a
2: cotton balls. Is it meant yeah. to
0: be like? Oh, it annoys me. And he's there on the water, and I, I have to laugh every time when he does that elephant. And he's like, oh. boy,
2: <laughs> he gets so you boy, is ugly.
0: Boy, you is ugly. <laughs> he put it to the it's water. so <laughs> stupid. This oh. whole scene is hilarious, but if we've got to be serious. <laughs> like, why is he in this movie? Like, I, I okay, I know why he's in this movie. Colin explained it in the last episode. Obviously, he was very popular in Live and Let Die, but so was Baron Samity for for like put him on there. Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: would love a- to see. I would love to see Baron Sam like Bond throws a little boy in the water and the boy starts drowning. All of a sudden, he <laughs> you know, rises out of the water. <laughs> what? Well,
2: and and how does how does J.W. say pajamas as well? Either
0: pajamas or something. It's <laughs> like
2: pajamas aren't a tie thing. Like Americans have pajamas too. I think.
0: Oh, but I guess we should really lead in, because we should lump all this together. Um, we we get into the chase. I should also mention that within this, we cut away to see Scaramanga, of course, killing high fat. We should mention that's a pretty uh, big deal. I do love the whole drawn-out aspect of Scaramanga putting his gun together. I think that's a great scene. Um, and, uh, no, actually, I am jumping ahead a little bit, aren't I? Because... We No, I'm I'm thinking that this goes straight into the car chase. It doesn't because we get to foo-yuck before all this happens. All right, I'm going to stop there. We'll just go into uh, the death of high fat and the whole boy in water and uh, fucking J.W. Pepper before we get into foo-yuck.
1: Yeah, that's a lot to talk about. Um, the boat chase is pretty good. I don't think it's great. I think one of the problems, again, they ran into in this movie and probably one of the reasons why it wasn't as well-received was that they were just doing the same things they did in the last two movies, but slightly different location. Like it's another boat chase, but they're slower boats. Later we have another car chase, but it's daylight and it's different. Um, I don't really think this boat chase is that exciting on its own. I think it's one of those moments where if you're going to criticize the comedy, unfortunately the movie probably needed comedy in this sequence because that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about how exciting this boat chase is. The thing with the boy, I mean, it, it does make Bond look like a bit of a jerk, and it was another one of those things Roger Moore was very uncomfortable with. It, it didn't really suit him that well, but it is funny. Um, <laughs> anybody who says it is not funny, I mean, I, I'd love to know what you were laughing at in this movie, because it, it's it's hilarious. He shoves a little boy into the water, and it's not like you see the boy drowned or get chopped <laughs> apart by the blades of the boat's motor. <laughs> He just drowns and then he calls a bloody tourist. Like, the kid's great. And it's sad. I can't even find an IMDb credit for this kid. There is no, uh, uh. can't find him anywhere. He needs to be in the Jizz Master Part 3 with the Blow Up Your Pants Boy from Diamond <laughs> Uh JW, uh, I'm not a fan of JW even in Live and Let Die. But Noah, you said that he worked a lot better in that movie. And I don't think it was just because of location. I think that the the humor worked more in live and let die It just feels so out of place here because the humor has been subtle in man with the golden gun up until this point and i just feel like every jw scene just runs on and on forever and i think that's one of the criticisms people have about jar jar binks in star wars is that whenever jar jar binks is on screen it just runs for five minutes of him doing ridiculous things and that's all jw pepper is like if Have JW give give his line about the Goonie birds or whatever, or have the elephant picking his pocket or feeling him up or whatever it was doing, but you don't need you know, five straight minutes of JW one-liners, especially when you can barely understand what the man's saying. They could have ended it with
2: him folding in the water, and that was just a short cameo. They didn't have to bring him into the car change.
0: You know, that's a yeah. great comparison, actually, Colin. Yeah, That's, like, what I was that's fantastic. He is
1: Jar Jar Binks of James <laughs> Bond. I <also laughs> want someone
2: to re-edit uh, both the films. Man with the Gone Gun with Jar Jar and, um... Uh, <laughs> Phantom Menace with JW Pep. Misa, see You're a no- Goonie Bird.
1: You're no know better than a Goonie Bird. No Goonie Bird, Misa dungan.
2: That's a genuine Jedi.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Naboo! <Now>, <laughs> I'm on a mission. Toby, Toby, let's go visit Queen Amidala.
1: Fuck on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh have we lost college
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna go into another hulk or fat albert thing. Yeah, us <laughs> what, single this one uh, uh, have... no but i mean jw doesn't really work in this movie and i think that when i first saw this i knew that he was returning from live and let die and i thought the cameo was ended here and i would have been okay with that uh, as annoying as he is i would have been okay with it the fact that he comes back later just really drags down the rest of the movie
2: uh, I think you guys mostly covered the boat chase. It's coming off live and let die. It's hard to match. I think the car one's more at the start here, but I find the boat one quite enjoyable every time I watch it. The kid is just hilarious. I love that scene every time. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> um, and then JW, again, he works in live and let die because it's in Louisiana, and he's a Louisiana sheriff. Um and it, w- it just works with the whole cops being stupid driving along the sides of the bayou. Everything works there, even though he is a ridiculous character. Here, he has no business. He would never be in Thailand, this guy. Like, <laughs> this guy would never leave Louisiana, let alone travelling to Thailand. Um, and I don't think the Louisiana Sheriff Department has uh, cases down in Bangkok, so I have no idea. Um there are some funny moments, the falling in the water, you is ugly, it's just so <laughs> ridiculous, it's bonkers, and like when he falls it just looks horrible, Um, I like that we get Mrs. J.W., and I like when he falls in the water, says, J.W., where are you? <laughs> um, yeah, he should be in this film. I, I will actually defend him in Live and Let Die, which a lot of people won't, but I can't really say the same here. Other than that, th- some of these scenes are, are where the film gets quite exciting, in my opinion.
0: I have to say, looking at IMDb here, I'm sure you've seen this too, Colin, the fact that there's a credit for martial arts student that fights hip's nieces. Yes! Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a bloody credit for bloody tourists. Um he's off probably counting his Thai millions his um his Bart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, he sold I'd, it to me, Bell later on.
0: You know I think it would have been a perfect scene that in like a couple of years time like in a different Bond movie like they go back to Thailand and Bond just say like, oh I just need to pay a quick little visit. <laughs> like,
1: yeah like we get the 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 bottle residence. guy the drinking guy in Spider Spy Who Love Me Moonraker and Fear Eyes Only. So we should have the boy show up in everything. Yeah, we world. need yeah. resolution to this ongoing. story. <laughs> I
0: believe they're doing it in Spectre. He's like fifty, and he's got like a dartboard with James Bond. He's face taking on. over high fat. He's <laughs> like, "Fuck <laughs> you!" That was that, that would be. Um- that would be like an evil villain, like in a future Bond movie. Like, remember the little boy who got pushed into the water? <laughs> he's back, and he's angry. And he wants his 20,000 baht. <laughs> Which, he inflation. has an army of mannequin elephants. elephants.
1: <laughs> They're real, <laughs> trust me.
0: And boy, they are ugly.
1: <laughs> hey, Harry Saltzman's elephant stampede can finally happen now. <laughs> <laughs> you can put the elephant shoes to use. <laughs>
0: uh, did anyone want to
1: coming back to... Did anyone want to
0: mention anything about High Fat's death as well?
1: No, I mean, it's the same idea of Asato, really, from uh, You Only Live Twice. He's the billionaire that's kind of there to move the plot along a little bit, but he's not significant enough for you to care when he dies. Um, I I do, like we said, Ben, I mean, him taking apart his gun, uh, that's a really cool idea. I wish it had been used more in the movie. Uh, I wish that we had had, like, maybe a scene where you know how is he able to get through customs and stuff like that and we see them examining everything they could have played up on a little bit more but it's a fun scene i think christopher lee really shines in every scene he's in but it is one of his better ones especially the smile the really sick smile he gives right before he shoots him
0: yeah and i love how he's like he's just resigned and when he walks off anyway sorry no
2: Yeah, as I said, I would have liked to see more High fat development. I think he could have been made into a bigger character. But unlike Asato, at least it makes sense for Scaramanga to be killing him. Um, He's been using him to get the agitator and basically using him as a pawn, even though High fat thought it was the opposite. So at least it makes sense, like Blofeld shooting Asato instead of Bond. It's just ridiculous. Um, So at least it makes sense. I like it. I just wish we saw more of the character.
0: Then we get to, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Fu Yuck. (laughs) I love Bond three. What my (laughs) favourite? Fu Yuck. (laughs) Fu Yuck. Yes, and he's like, I approve. But then he's actually talking about Goodnight's dress, and this is a bipolar (laughs) Bond who's now into Goodnight because he needs to get laid eventually in this movie. He didn't get Um, Me. No, he didn't get Me and he's turned on by Me, so he needs to go bed. Goodnight. Um, you know, the dress, it's tight in all the right places. And I love how he's like, Q designed it, no doubt, suicide pill in there somewhere. <laughs> and then I love how they call the homing devices a homer. It's got a homer in there somewhere. I went, Don't! Don't! No. <laughs> What's the noise of my... Oh, homing. Oh, I just pulled a homer. <laughs> yes. Oh, fool yuck. Um... And, yeah, so we then go into the hotel room um, after we think that Goodnight has rejected Bond. Bond angrily walks into the room and looks like he's about to go rent a porno or something like that. But then Goodnight's in the room, funnily enough. And um, between looking like he's about to bed good night, he then gets Andrea into the room. <laughs> this is real Bond is a dick moment because like, he's about to have sex with one woman. Then in comes Andrea, and he's basically like, "Get in the closet. I'm going to fuck her instead." <laughs> like this well, is well, he's doing his job. I mean. <laughs> He's on company time. Well, he could have gotten them both at the same time. He's James Bond. like
2: yeah, he, he uh, what was Zoya Zelda or whatever those gypsies were exactly. called? Exactly. Uh...
0: But I love it. Couldn't I just play along with it? Like, whatever. Um, and then, of course, we find out in this scene that Andrea was the one that sent the bullet, uh, not Scaramanga, that we were led to believe. Right. Uh, you know, du da, da, da. and um yeah, she she wants his help basically. Um I love the fact though that when he she's like saying like oh I can do this, I can do that you could have me too if you like. Am I not a uh, what did she say? I'm not unattractive or something like that. And she just walks off, helps herself to a robe, allows enough time for a good night to get to the closet. And then off we pop, Bond pops at the same time, and um, Bond finally gets and laid. And that
2: somehow falls asleep as well.
0: <laughs> Jesus, I mean, either Bond must be, like, really shit in bed, or, like, she falls asleep to high pitch moans, I don't know. Well,
1: I think Bond has more stamina, because from Rush with Love told us that it took him an hour and a half, and here it's at least two hours from what we understand. Um, so Bond's definitely improving with age. Uh the foo yuck thing, I it's again one of those things like Roger Moore can do the littlest thing, and just make it the funniest thing you've ever seen. I was mentioning this in Live and Let Die when he's just wearing Solitaire's robe and the, the look he has on his face. Uh, the foo yuck thing is one of my favorite Roger Moore moments ever because the way he says like foo yuck, and then the guy also the response like yes sir a seventy four, which of course is the year the movie came out, making it the least impressive thing Bonds ever drank. <laughs> Uh, good Night is so good, or Britt Eklund is so good as Good and when he puts her in the closet, like, maybe this will be controversial, but this is probably my favorite scene of the whole movie, just because the, the plot does move along here, but it's also really funny, and this could have been played, you put any other actress from of the Bond series in this scene, and Bond does come across just looking like a huge dick, and the fact that she plays it the way she does makes it funny, even on her part, you know, and it's it's less uh, evil of Bond this way. And I also like I said, I'm, I'm going to stand by the defense. He's on the job here. I mean, the world's at stake. What, what else is he going to do? I mean, he can't sneak good night out of there. Well, he probably could have, I guess. Andrea went to the bathroom for a second. He could have said, "Go out the front door and said He's like, "No, stay in the closet for the next two hours." <laughs>
0: Watch and- how good I am, and you can be me late. I wanted you yeah. to hear this good night. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um I also love that he's already started smoking a cigar before he decides to open the door. Like it could have been Andrea walks up and he's like, "Good night. Good night. Are you okay?" but he's like, "I'm going to take my time and relax a little bit here." Like <laughs> everything about this scene's just amazing. Um I'm going to put this up for Hall of Fame. I'm probably going to get shot down, but yeah, I you love will. this.
0: You will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um
0: yeah, if I think thi- if this is Hall of Fame, Colin, sorry Noah, but Little Boy in Water is Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> And carplane. Um, I'll make compromises to get what I want. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, you sound like, it's starting to sound like Bondy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there was some missed opportunities with the name Goodnight here. Like Bond going, when, when Andrew is there, Goodnight! Trying to get her out. I'm not going to bed. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely some missed opportunities there. But. I think the the comedy here of having good night in the closet is just so funny. Um, And I, we do have twists in Bond, but we don't have have often huge major twists. And this, the bullet with his name on it makes a lot more sense now. And I like that twist. Um, I think it's a good addition to the film and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, She's one of the most important people bringing Bond here. Um, It's sad that it's one of the last Andrea moments we will see. Um, But other than being quite funny, not too much add to this scene.
0: Well, uh, we get (laughs) Goodnight um, coming out. She's resigning in the morning. Your turn will come. (laughs) James, you must be good. Um, Let's add add that in there. But we get this great scene, uh, the kickboxing match. Um, Golf scene, pretty much. Or the, yeah, yeah that's a good point, actually. Um, where it's similar to you only live twice, of course, in the sumo um, yeah. situation with the meeting as well. And I know Colin's talked a lot about using the actual location and but, using...
2: But he didn't say the Scaramanga, I love <laughs> you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's true. Um, and then we, of course, see poor Andrea. She's dead. Um, she's been shot. And then we Not get... We get the meeting, Uh, Scaramanga versus Bond finally. They meet, as well as Nick knack Uh, We haven't really mentioned too much of Nick knack and Bond's interactions. We didn't mention back in uh, Bottoms Up when they met in the little uh, TV screen and Nick knacks sort of like, hello. We (laughs) didn't actually say that, but I I, (laughs) I love that interaction. Um, And, yeah, we get this um, little interaction um which is fantastic i love this scene um and then i'll kind of probably just cut that before we get into the car chase because i feel there's um more to talk about just i guess with this interaction and the meeting of bond and scaramanga
1: yeah again i think that as soon as the boat chase is done this movie instantly improves um i love the the Good Night in the Closet, and almost every scene from this point on, I love, even though there's minor issues with all of them, particularly the car chase. I think this scene is maybe the most intriguing scene of the movie. And this is also, I was complaining earlier on about how there, we're not seeing anything interesting up until this point. You know, the only thing we're really seeing that's unusual for a Bond, we get this martial arts school, but it's so small and insignificant and makes so little sense. From this point on, everything becomes interesting. I mean, I I loved in You Only Live Twice how we had Sean Connery on location in crowded environments. And this is kind of what the movie needed. If we're going to be on location, let's see it for what it is. And the setting of the kickboxing match, I think, is uh, better than the sumo one in You Only Live Twice. I like even little things about how filthy the floor is, you know, when he's picking up a Solex. And... uh, the fact that Andrea's dead and you don't realize it. And the fact that Bond kind of has to play act in this is good too, because he doesn't come across like a great secret agent in this movie, but he really does in the scene, you know, he was so bad at impersonating Scaramanga, but this is the only time I think up until now in the story where Bond really does have the upper hand in a way, you know, how he finds the Solex and, you know, picks it up and hands it off to Hip. Um, plus, there are not nearly enough scenes in this movie of Christopher Lee and Roger Moore together. And uh, this scene really just instantly you're, you're right back into the movie and you're interested in what's going on because you have two good actors playing off of each other. Uh, I think this scene's fantastic. And we'll, we'll get into the car chase in a second. But I'll, I'll, this is where I'm going to start defending Mary Goodnight as not being a bumbling idiot. Uh, because we should remember... Well, when she falls her... into the boot of the car... She gets pushed in because she's pushed in. She, well, she's, pushed yeah. in.
2: And <laughs> she's pushed, but
1: yeah, let's like, think about now, that
2: sentence, though. She's pushed into the boot of
1: Okay, a car. well, let's look at this. Our hero, James Bond, gets clobbered while pulling a wine bottle out of the beginning of Goldfinger. That's no more dumb than her getting pushed in while trying to put a homing beacon. She was doing something smart. If she had been there 10 seconds earlier, she's the hero of the movie. She's put a homer in Yaskaramanga's car. She just gets pushed in. We've seen that happen to Bond many times. I mean, he got knocked out by two sumo wrestlers he gave a wedgie to. He almost got stabbed by a knickknack. Bond's no dumber in this movie than Goodnight is. This <laughs> is um, turning
0: into The Simpsons. You're talking about Bart and Homers. Yeah, Homer. and- <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah I, I agree that Scaramanga and Bond or Roger and uh, Christopher play off each other so well. And this is pretty much the golf scene or the card scene with Largo, like uh, Bond meeting up with the main villain in a public space, having a conversation. I always enjoy those scenes. Um, yeah, the great use of the kickboxing, and I just love knickknack in the scene, and Bond with the nuts is hilarious. And then when they leave him, he turns around, John uh, a nut,
0: and they go. <laughs> right.
2: uh, some great comedy here, but I enjoy this scene too. Onto the car scene.
0: Now, we'll get, yeah, this car scene it's fun um we'll get to one moment in particular of course <laughs> but um yeah good night is pushed into the boot <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> 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 and i do love the whole uh, interaction with bond good night good night Like, where are you? Oh, I'm in the boot And then, like, where are the keys? Good night, where are the keys? Oh, I've got the keys right here (laughs) like, well, that's not going to help The way
1: she says it's great She's like, oh, I've got them Like, (laughs) She doesn't realise there's an issue with that It's the one time where maybe she is dumb
0: um, And then they go for the taxi But then, um, I love Lieutenant Hips Like, taxi, taxi But earlier in the movie, like, Bond got a taxi within three seconds (laughs) And, like, he'd be terrible in the Amazing Race at this point because he's like, oh, shit, I can't get a taxi. You're going to be eliminated, Bond and Hip. <laughs> Worst Amazing Race team ever. Scaramanga
2: uh, and Nicknack are definitely going to win this
0: <laughs> And then, of course, Bond sees a demonstration model BMW. It's a BMW, isn't it? Yes?
1: Uh, I'm
0: not a carpus. Uh, I don't think know it's, anything about cars. I, I think it's a BMW. Uh but who should be in uh this car <laughs> wanting to test it out? Oh, it's Jar Jar Binks! <laughs> um, <laughs> Mr. Tiktor for test J-Dub drive Binks. Um and yeah, like why isn't he with his wife? Like well, she's what she's just in the to hotel. This is JW. Honey, I'm gonna go and test me your motor vehicle in Thailand. <laughs> Misa do that wife? too
1: why did he drive overseas to buy an american-made car (laughs) yes
0: maybe it's cheaper there the bart to american dollar is is good that's what he was doing uh, bond gets in the car jw recognizes him oh we're on a mission you're Um, that
2: secret agent from england no you're that english secret agent from england (laughs) (laughs) I've been deputized. That English Uh, secret agent from England.
0: I fucking love when he's out. I love the bit. He's like out the window yelling at the drivers and then we cut to the random Asian guy in the car who's like going... I don't know what he's saying. I'm not even going to impersonate what he's saying, but it's like this interaction between J.W. Pepper and random taxi driver, and random taxi driver ends up crashing.
1: (laughs) He was probably shouting, bloody tourists!
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was the little kid's dad. Um, Oh, and then we get this whole a mission. the whole chase it's uh it's a fun chase and then we get the situation where um they're trying to find them Nick Knack and Scaramanga of course um and they're on the other side of the river I love Nick Knack's little wave uh, he should have put <laughs> his like thumb on his nose and been like <laughs> um, And then of course uh they're trying to find a bridge somehow JW Pepper just knows that the nearest bridge is 2 miles away how does he know that I don't no and um then we see a curly bridge a little uh <laughs> a little kink in a in a piece of wood and um bond have you ever heard of evil Knievel, <laughs> and um gets ready to go have to say this is an absolutely amazing stunt a stunt that was done in one take can we just point that out incredible really nice. iconic amazing it is let down by one small little uh and Boo- not even
2: JW. Boo- yes. like- you know when J.W. isn't the worst thing about the scene, you've got something <laughs> bad on your hand.
0: <laughs> this, to me, is equivalent of the you expect me to talk no Mr. Bond I expect you to die (laughs) that's like (laughs) golfing let's rip like at the end of it like (laughs) like there's no purpose to like the (laughs) (laughs) Uh, allow
2: me to introduce myself my name is Ert Stavro Blofeld (laughs) (laughs) someone just needs to edit it into all the classic scenes of Bond
0: my name is Pussy (laughs) Galore Thank you, but I think my mouth is too big. <laughs> That's a
1: Smith and Wesson. Hi, I'm you're Plenty. Your dad's
0: got six. Of course you are, dear. Plenty, are two. <laughs> Yo, mama.
3: <laughs>
0: no, okay, that didn't work. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you killed it. <laughs> and that, kids, is how you kill a joke. Um, <laughs> Someone this
2: good with editing put it into some of the great scenes from
0: um, it. Yes, well, then we get to the chase and then the car disappears and it turns into a plane. Now, look, I've got to point this out. Everybody bags out, die another day for having an invisible car. You've got a plane, a car that turns into a plane, all right? Yeah, but
2: the difference here is that actually existed. Like, not yeah. the one used in the film, but that was actually a real thing. Well, I'm sure Grant when somebody... Granted, the guy who used it died when he tried it out, but it was still a real <laughs> thing, unlike the invisible car.
0: I'm sure when somebody listens to this podcast in 2050 and invisible cars are a thing, they'll be laughing then, but... Um... Well, but
1: the difference is it was a thing in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing in 1973 when the man died. relying so, on the
0: future. So some, some would say they were adapted to the times. Oh, um... no. Like... <laughs> 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 um, their anyway. arguments
1: restarted <laughs>
0: uh, um, <laughs> before yeah then we get the play take off Barry looking out the, um, <laughs> the I think
1: stopped
0: <laughs> oh what the fuck um, and I, I have to just quickly point out here because I a lot to cover for you guys but I love it when um jw pepper's like getting arrested and he's like going on like god damn it i'm gonna get the
1: cia i'm gonna get this i'm gonna get henry kissinger <laughs> <laughs> be, i'm gonna get the miami state police or whatever was from <laughs> me. Get- and yeah. then they're like
0: oh, not miami state police <laughs> <laughs>
1: not the beach police no <laughs> uh but anyway yes i've
0: covered a fair bit there um let's just conclude my thoughts by
1: <laughs> yeah the the car chase I, again i have very differing feelings on this because j w drags this down a lot if he didn't drag it down i think this is the one time in the movie where they're repeating what was done before and doing it better uh we're not getting better uh, outside of the incredible stunt we have on the end we're not getting overall stunt driving this better but it looks more impressive because unlike in diamonds are forever where they're driving in the middle of the night and there's maybe two or three cards on the road. They're doing these stunts, uh, the, the car chase and there's like in any given shot, 20 cars surrounding them. Um, and that in and itself is very impressive. The fact they filmed it in daylight is really impressive. I mean, they could have really topped themselves with a brilliant car chase here without JW uh, screaming out the window with his comb over flapping in the wind. I mean, <laughs> it, it takes all the excitement out of the scene. Uh, The stunt is so incredible. The thing that really bothers me is that uh, if you watch the the documentaries on the DVDs or Blu-rays, Guy Hamilton wanted them to do a second take because he said it looks too perfect that people were going to think it was fake. So what's his remedy for that? Let's make it more real with... (laughs) Is that helping make this less fake? I mean... What? Oh, it just bothers me that th- they could have left that out and it would have helped Guy Hamilton's case. The man really is on acid. It's just so terrible. Um, I do. I will say, as annoying as JW is, he has a couple of funny lines as they're pulling in. Uh, you know, when he takes his wallet out and there's uh, about you know 30 pictures that fall out and he's saying, you know, the, the Louisiana police, the FBI, the CIA stuff. Some of that's a little bit funny if you weren't already annoyed with him. Um, the the car, as Noah said, I mean, this was something that was real. Uh, I don't know if it never worked. Uh, they don't really stress that. I think this is something that they put it in the movie or they wanted to put it in the movie because it was a working flying car. Uh, it just so happened the guy did die at some point. I don't even know if they said he died using it, but they ended up going with a model or a radio controlled model in it. But it, it's still the fact, that, the fact that this is a real thing makes it a little bit more tolerable. When I was watching this with my wife, she's, she was rolling her eyes. She's like, oh, come on, seriously? And I'm like, no, this was a real thing. And I had to show her the documentary to prove it to her. So uh, I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, Good night, thinking they've stopped. I mean, I don't know why she couldn't hear the wind blowing <laughs> through me, <laughs> the, the I trunk. I suspect th- that car would be rocking around a hell of a lot. Yeah, there might have been a little bit of turbulence in there, Um, but again, it's a cool idea, and there's some good aerial photography still. I mean, we're going to get really good aerial photography in the next sequence, but um, this all—the absurdity of this—can be a bit much. But it's all forgiven when you get to see M's reaction following this. So, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about that in the next scene, but. Uh, that just makes the scene it's a perfect uh, conclusion to this absurd sequence of events
2: I don't have huge amounts to add on the car chase um, coming off live and let die it's hard to really top a good chase like that but it is probably my favourite part or one of my favourite parts of the film I think it's really enjoyable everything that happens along there not a hell of a lot of uh, memorable moments like um, the boat chase with the pool and the wedding and all that Um but, yeah, J.W. really takes a lot out of it, um, especially when he's bouncing around after the flip.
0: It's just ridiculous. Um, Wouldn't he be dead after that? Put your seatbelt
2: on, son. Yeah. Were they wearing um, seatbelts? Did anybody notice? Yeah, I love that he ends up in the back. There. Well, I think um,
0: in the in all seriousness, in the 70s, a lot of cars actually didn't have yeah.
2: seatbelts. So. Um, yeah, the flip, it's one of the best stunts in Bond history. And I think it would be great with the Bond theme, but even better, silence. Like... Playing music, and then just as they flip absolute silence, yeah, and then just as they land straight back into music, I think, all the like,
0: silence, and then as soon as it lands, turn it it,
1: yeah like, yeah, that would have kind, worked,
2: kind of like the golden eye Dam kind of thing like silence through the whole thing, mm-hmm. and then crack into some music, that would be perfect in my opinion, mm-hmm. in saying that it doesn't upset me as much as a lot of people. Because the things that upset people in Bond history is so minuscule. Like, people hate this and the double-take double, double take pigeon and... Visible um, cars. Yeah, the Kananga balloon. Um, they hate the Beach Boys scene. Well, I that, love
0: the Beach Boys scene.
2: Um, <laughs> but
0: all the scenes... <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all the all these scenes that people were so upset about, they're just, like, 10 seconds long, like... Yeah. And pe- people, like, drag the whole movies down for these scenes, and they just don't bother me that much, because once they're done, they're over, and I don't even think about it. Yeah, it pisses me off, because this is one of the best scenes ever, one of the best stunts, but... Like, eh, it's not that much to get that mad over because then it's done and the movie moves on. But yeah, it could have been so much better. That slide whistle. Who seriously came up with that idea? Somebody oh. in post
0: production is like, I've got an idea. Let's add this <sighs> sound effect. <laughs> it must have been
2: last minute and everyone's so tired. Oh, whatever. Go on, Jerry, do it. Um, yeah, the plane. I know it's a real thing. I have to side with Ben here. I think The Invisible car's better than this. This is my least favourite <laughs> moment of the entire movie. I I know it's a real thing. I absolutely hate it. It turns Scaramanga from this cold, ruthless killer into this just campy kind of, I don't know. Like I know it's a campy film, but it just really takes away from the character for me, and it just looks ridiculous. I don't like it one bit. It's, Hands down, my least favourite part of the movie. It's so ridiculous when Goodnight opens the trunk in air. Um, so it's a bad end, but overall, I actually really do enjoy this chase. And despite the slide whistle, I still put the car thing up there as one of the best mom- uh, one of the best stunts. But it is annoying. I'll give everyone that
0: just want to point out that um, Man with a Golden Gun was the uh, podcast that Noah Groves agreed with me on something related to Diana. The- <laughs> um, now Noah loses
1: his credibility. <laughs> I, know, I know
0: Colin, uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but agreed with me something when it came to Gustav Graves. So um, you're even. You've both had a moment. Yeah. So yay. Uh, then we get into... Glad we should uh, have been of service. <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, M's reaction. Um, the car. That sprouted wings, (laughs) like it's great. I just work closely
2: with Q. I think it it would have been
0: perfect if he'd just been like, "The car flipped with a penny whistle." (laughs) 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 There was a
2: slide whistle. Oh, we're actually working on one of them now. Shut up, Q.
0: And this is where we get poor old Q gets shut down twice. And I love the Q gets so like. Agitated at one point because they're like, Oh, and we couldn't pick up the signal. That's rubbish! We could pick up. You obviously haven't picked it up yet because,
1: like, oh, shut up, Q. <laughs> like,
0: obviously, he's right because then they find out that it has been picked up in red Chinese waters. Oops. Um,. And I love uh, Bond's little interaction there, where he's like, oh, we can fly low under the radar. Absolutely not. The Prime Minister would have my balls in a vice. I know he didn't really say that, but that's <laughs> better. And then um, <laughs> Bond's like, well, no, I didn't tell you about that, sir. Like, da-da-da. Um, and then but we I'm get...
2: confused here, because then they just fly in. What did I miss
0: here? He got told to go there loosely without... Like, oh,
2: suspicion. we can never do that. But then he just flies in anyway. Like,
1: because he, like, keeps... Under Under radar.
0: Yeah, like, mm-hmm. radars can pick planes up at a certain point, and if you fly low enough, apparently, I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, but um, then
2: they're seeing this massive up plane flying over the city quite low. And, um, well,
0: isn't it in Tomorrow Never Dies that they have to do the, the halo drop. jump? Yeah. yeah, and they have to, like, open at a certain point, otherwise they get picked up by no, radar? Get so. <laughs> great scene. Um, but, uh, Colin, you mentioned about the the great aerial photography. i would written that down because I love the scenes when they've got mm-hmm. the plane, and is it, is it? A, is it another plane behind the plane to get those really close shots? That like, they didn't obviously have drones back in the seventies, but like, yeah. it's incredible footage of. It just was t- Takatanaka's Tanaka's air. <laughs> <comes>. <laughs> um, it, it, it was Quarrel Junior floating behind in a kite. Um, <laughs> it. But it's it was incredible, incredible scenes, and we get the boat obviously lands. Um, we see the plane lands. That's the one I'm thinking of. We've got bloody cars turning into <laughs> planes. The plane's <laughs> turning into well a car. Boat. The plane's turning into a boat, whatever, lands. Um, we get, Bonjour, Mr. Bond. I am Nick knack And that's the first time we... Oh, no, we don't. We hear Nick in the first scene. Never Nick-nack? mind. knick
2: Tabasco! <laughs> last
0: line in the movie. <laughs> I was about to say, that's the first time we hear his name. Clearly, I missed the start of the movie. Um, and... Yeah, then we get more interaction between Bond and Scaramanga. We get him explaining his island. And I'll probably stop just before we get to the dinner scene, I think, really, because that maybe warrants its own uh, separate bit to talk about. But... I love how it's all sort of set up and like you know Scaramanga's explaining how he's self-sufficient and he's using all this power and again this is just me thinking that he's just an entrepreneur trying to sell his great (laughs) idea to the world he's obviously working he's living on his own in this island he's self-sufficient he has one like servant and random security guard what's his name again like Adam or something (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: what all the random ones
0: pervy Adam he just spends half the movie like trying to mack it on with goodnight um um, and yeah, I, I, I enjoy this whole... I mean, any Scaramanga-Bond interaction, I love. So I think it's a great lead-up until they have dinner.
1: Um, yeah, first of all, as I mentioned, the the scene with uh, M is so funny, and that's where I think the comedy is actually an improvement. Even though Diamonds Are Forever and Live and Let Die were overall more comedic movies, uh, the fact they hold back sometimes in this, it just makes these scenes funny. And we don't usually get to see M doing funny that much and when we get to see it like the uh you know this one time with him in tokyo thank you money penny that'll be all like he's really good like i would argue he's just as good at the the comedy and the (laughs) reaction yeah we're almost at his end but this is a good moment for him and this is the the end. (laughs) the fact that bond is just saying at the moment we see his reaction first and then you just hear Raj Moore saying, and that's really all there is to report. Like, and you're just <laughs> it's left to your imagination all the things he just had to tell M. It's so good. Um another scene of Q just being a complete know it all is like, well, it's actually completely feasible. And you know, the Solex agitator again, he's correcting everybody. Uh, I love Q in this movie. Uh the the aerial photography, this is probably it does not get nearly enough credit. This is spectacular they found the right location and i'm gonna say this is better than what we see with the volcano survey in you only live twice because that was done from really high in the air and here we're, we're getting these planes which as you said it's two planes that are doing this one filming and one in the shot and they are really low and they're swerving around these really unusual islands you know these islands that now have been used in so many other things since um the The Bond introduction of Scaramanga. like Again, I love that every time Bond meets Scaramanga It's just it's completely pleasant But at the same time Christopher Lee is maybe One of the greatest villains in movie history In that he can always play a villain And he can always be scary And here he's being scary By smiling and inviting Bond to dinner And saying, why don't you come look at my house Like It's really nice, Bond He's, he's such a charming sinister villain i mean i'm surprised we haven't talked as much about christopher lee up until this point but at the same time up until now he's had a small presence in the movie and it's just it really becomes his show from this point on
2: um one thing and this is not actually a joke i think it would have worked (laughs) um before you get too angry at me i really think it would have been good if they use little nelly here to fly onto the island i think it would make sense because it's a small little tight compact (laughs) helicopter Um,
0: let little nelly go no
2: i actually honestly think this would be the the one time in bond history would be the perfect time to bring it back um and why not put a few plane battles in there before he lands on the island just for good measure um Yes, yeah, Scaramanga, easily one of the best villains in Bond history. I think you two will probably agree that he's definitely in the top 10 somewhere. Yeah. Um, and the idea around the Scaramanga char- character, at least in the film anyway, not necessarily the book, is to have this Bond equal. Like, this guy's not a genius mastermind who's going to take over the entire world. He is a genius, but he's just an assassin, if you think about it, uh, second to none. Um, The man with the young gun. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, the idea is it's it's kind of yin-yang type thing, and that's why I enjoy this film, because it's different to the past eight films that we've had um, in in its main villain. It's just a guy who's like Bond. There's a similar age, similar skill, and that's why he wants to face off against Bond. Um, if this was a modern day film, Scaramanga would be like Bond's half brother from the past or something like this. Um, which I'm glad nothing like that happened. But I love this yin yang dynamic. And he is suave and sophisticated like Bond is sometimes. Um, and he's got this like nice hideout where he enjoys nice things like Bond. So there are so many parallels, um, between Scaramanga and Bond. And I'm sure we could have picked up on a lot more of them along the way if we really looked into it. That's why I love him because he's not that cliched uh, taking over the world villain. And yeah, I really like the whole yin yang storyline here.
0: Well, I think a lot of my favorite villains and you sort of summed it up there when you say like, he's very similar to Bond. I I like these villains. Like I'm a big Trevelyan fan. And Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) it's my favorite kind of fish too. (laughs) joke, joke as much as you like about die another day. But obviously I'm a big Gustav Graves fan. And I think Trevelyan's shits all over Graves, but like, I, I know, I like these villains that kind of have that because you feel as though they have that match. And um, Zoran, Max Zoran, um, yeah, you that, know, like, rant. yeah. yeah. And, and I just think that Christopher Lee is just one of the greatest actors of all time when it comes to playing villains. And you have these actors who are typecast as villains and there are very few actors that can genuinely play a villain and a good guy. And I don't know if I've ever seen Christopher Lee as a good guy in a movie. Um, And I guess if I was to be an actor, I'd always want to play a villain because they always say being evil is more fun. So, um, and he just pulls it off so well. And, yeah, I think, Colin, you said that we hadn't really seen much interaction between the two up until this point. And as I said, like, I just love every scene that these two have together. And it's great. And I love the dinner scene. Like, that's why I wanted to kind of leave that separately because... It's kind of just great how they're there and, um, you know, eating the mushrooms and good nights all of a sudden there. Hello, good night in your bikini. Um, And then it kind of um, leads into this whole conversation. Scaramanga, we are the best. And um, talking about how that um, Bond only gets paid a pittance and and a... Tension, and this is where Bond takes offense to it. Like, No, the Queen is my boss and Forever England and you're a prick. I'm doing this for the world. You're doing it for entrepreneurial purposes. For Tabasco. <laughs> for <laughs> Tabasco. <laughs> you might get paid a million dollars for one shot, but I do it for England. Um, and then 20, we get some bars. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even afford to pay a small Boy, twenty thousand baht. But then we get led into, of course, uh, the dinner scene. Goes into the very famous uh, standoff scene. Them back to back. Whenever you see any sort of promotional picture from the Man with the Golden Gun, it's generally a, a photo of Roger Moore and uh, Christopher Lee standing back to back with each other. Uh, and then we get Nick Nack. We got to, We haven't talked about it. poor Nick Nack. I feel as much in this movie uh, with his lovely refereeing rules. Uh, twenty paces and uh, we get the shot, and um, he's not there. Oh, no, where is he? And, of course, then we get Knick-Knack. If you kill him, all this will be mine. <laughs> and then it leads into uh, the fun house again. Um, but, yeah, this, again, interactions are fantastic. This whole standoff scene is great. It's it's nerve-wracking, I feel. Am I the only one that kind of feels the tension in this one? Because I guess yeah. you know how good Scaramanga is with the shot. You know that he doesn't miss... Um, and that, you know, he's up against Bond who at, you know, nine films in, he technically doesn't miss either. And how um,
2: terrifying if you were there in the fun house with some psychotic guy with one shot kill after you.
0: Sports, sports bet uh, would have had long <laughs> odds on either on there. Like, who would have had the shortest odds of winning that battle? But Good it's great. down the bottom of the odds. <laughs> yeah, there's like, a, there's like a rolling screen down the bottom like going gamble responsibly. And it's got like odds. Scaramanga, 101. Bond, $2 one oh <laughs> one,
2: Bond, $2.01. 20,000 bucks. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, but it's great. It's a great lead up. And with, I think, Colin, you said to us off air you're struggling, I think, for Hall of Fame moments. I think there's two key ones for this film and I would argue that this standoff scene is easily one that's got to be put up there.
1: Um i don't know if i'd go that far i think it is a good scene uh it's the stuff with Nick knack later on that i think really uh elevates it with the dinner scene again i'm gonna uh i think that mary goodnight is a misunderstood character because again everybody says how dumb and bumbling she is it's not her fault that bond already knows certain things like when they're talking about the mushroom she's throwing codes in there for bond so she's not that dumb uh it's not something that he really didn't know up until this point, but I mean, she doesn't, she's funny in the scenes and uh, it does make her a lot more competent, I'd say than even Tanya in from Russia would love. And nobody ever says Tanya's dumb. She has no point to being in most of the movie. Um, the, the standoff is really good. Uh, it's, it's something that you definitely will never get to see in a bond movie again. I think The closest we get is, the scene in Skyfall uh, where they're taking practice shots uh, with Silva and him. I, I, I really love Nicknack knack here. I think that Nicknack knack becomes more interesting than Scaramanga as soon as this fight starts. Because you realize that he's not, just not a henchman. Oddjob, as much as we love Oddjob, job really doesn't have a brain of his own. I mean, he's willing to die <clears throat> in a nuclear explosion... Ah, ah. Yeah, not just the, the verbal reasons, but he's willing to die in a nuclear explosion for Goldfinger's cause and get nothing out of it. Nick knack is there, and he's an opportunistic henchman. I mean, he knows that it's in his best interest for Mega to die, and Mega doesn't mind that about knick Again, something that's not even stated in the movie is how interesting the relationship between Mega and knick is, that Mega knows Nick knacks trying to kill him. And he's like, I'll pay you, you know, until you're able to kill me. But if you're not able to kill me, you just got to keep, you know, cooking my meals. Like, it's it's a really interesting relationship they have, and uh, the fact that Knick-Knack suddenly is helping Bond, it, it's it's not that he's suddenly a hero in the movie. In a way, it makes him more evil as a henchman, which I think helps in the final scene that he's going to have later on. Uh, I guess we're not getting into the fight just yet, but the whole lead up here is really good with the paces and. Knack basically becoming the ally for Bond for his own uh, his own wealth basically. I mean, it's such a great idea. I just love that.
2: Uh, yeah, Knack is so good. Um, and so much double crossing in this film. Like uh, Scaramanga turns on High Fat, um, Andrea turns on Scaramanga, Knack's turning on Scaramanga. Um, I like that. It's kind of a bit of a hark back to from Russia. Bond with turns love. on
0: the boy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, J.W. turns on the elephant. Um, yeah, so I enjoy that. I enjoy... Yeah, dink that definitely doesn't turn into a hero, but I like that there's that added element that they're not... They act as if they're friends, but they're really not friends. They're all after something. They're all chasing the cash, I guess. Um, yeah, the Mexican screw-off scene is quite good Um, with them back-to-back. Although... You would think Bond, Bond is, like, a dirty spider a lot of times, so you'd think you would just turn around straight away and shoot
0: him. Like, like uh, I don't... He kicked that guy in the head before. So. Yeah,
2: Daniel Craig uh, wouldn't even take one step. He'd just turn around and slush his throat or something. Um, so I guess this is Roger Moore's elegant playing by the rules, Bond. Um, but, yeah, he, he, he gets... Uh, gets outsmarted by Scaramanga by simply Scaramanga running away. Um, <laughs> so that's fun. Um, I love all the Funhouse stuff and we get to see all the characters we saw before. Um, and there is a bit of uh, tense moments in there. All I needed to add was a... <laughs> when it was really quiet. Um, so it, it is quite tense. I like how this film in a lot of regards, is quite different to a lot of the other ones, like the eight other ones that came before, and um, I like how the climax is just man versus man, the man with the golden gun, it's just a, a, a face-off. Um, my complaint with Live and Let Die was there wasn't enough battle in there, um, but that doesn't apply here, because it's not like the, the Scaramanga owns lots of henchmen, he works by himself, he has knick and that's it so it works for this film my one criticism is i i don't know what they could do but i feel like they could do something better i feel like it's just maybe a bit short or there's not enough drama in there but i really do enjoy this final climax
0: well, again, we get the fun house and I talked about how much I liked it at the start and you said, of course, about the bookends. Um, I do agree, in kind of, I can't remember which one of you brought it up about how it kind of maybe spoils a little bit of the end with how because you sort of know what's happening. You know, you get the, the laughing mirror. Um, you know, you get the ding ding, 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 like the little Western thing. And But then Bond obviously outsmarts by climbing up in the rafters and, um, you know, then, of course, he poses as himself. <laughs> I reckon he was just standing there that whole time. Like <laughs> from the beginning of the movie. Um, and yeah, then he outsmarts him. Bang. Scaramanga's dead. Um, where does and, the
2: statue end up?
0: Yeah. I was about to say, where did he, like, the jacket and yeah, where does the statue, like, is it just dead on the ground? But I'll just, like, Bond take that back with him and give it to, like, Goodnight or something like that. It's, like, it's next to the
1: dead body head. of Rodney that's riding in the
2: corner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, Money Penny, now you can have me all the time.
0: <laughs> and um, of course, we didn't mention our henchman security guard, which is about as pointless as Hans in the Adam. entire bond cannon. Adam pervy, Adam, um, cr- cr- cron,
1: cron, cron, cron.
0: Sounds like a crack. Um, I love the fact that we're like, he's like perving on good night. All she does is like cover her stomach and then he like walks up to her and is like, what? Getting a bit rapey. And she's just kind of like not doing anything. Um,
2: of course, he's yeah. just in a bikini as well, like Tiffany Case at the end of... Doc. Push,
0: pu- pushes him in the, the power of that or whatever it is. Um, it says body temperature basically raises because it's got to be zero. But wasn't it below zero? Didn't Bond earlier say to Scaramanga, like, oh, that's about blah, 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 below such and such. That would freeze you if you put your fingers in there. So how does his like, body temperature, which is like, what, 37 degrees, raise that up above zero?
1: I always thought that the whole point was that it's not supposed to be raised, so when his body goes in there, that's what wrecks everything. Right, okay. I don't know, I didn't pay that close attention.
0: I'm no scientist, I I don't know Asian languages, I'm not a scientist, I don't read. still learning to read, yeah. I like Dino the Day... People hate me, okay? Um, (laughs) At least you got something right. Hey, I'm being honest. Um, uh, Then we get this whole, of course, closing scene where uh, they've got to get the Solex. Mary's bum presses the button. um, Worse than the cassette tape. (laughs) uh, And then they escape on the junk. um, And yeah we before we get to the closing scene um the island blows up basically and that's how it is that's that's how we roll (laughs) um
1: (laughs) i think uh this climax as i said at the beginning it's ruined a little bit by the fact that we saw everything about the fun house in the opening scene and i think to answer noah's question what would have made this a little bit better is if we can still see these things that were set up in the beginning, you know, the the Western saloon and the mirrors, but show like a second level to the fun house or a couple of new attractions. Like just show us something different the second time around. I think that's the only reason why this climax isn't as good with this battle with Scaramanga. But it is very tense. And I think there's a lot of fight scenes in Bond movies, but there aren't a lot that have, you know, these proper buildups. And this is a lot like you know, the opening scene of from Russia with love where it's really, there's no fight to it. These guys, it's all going to end just in whoever fires one shot. So it's all about the tension and guy Hamilton does a very good job of being patient and uh, building the tension here. When bond drops his gun, I remember like gasping when I watched this movie for the first time and uh, you, you don't really see it coming with the, the mannequin at the end, you know, uh, even every time I watch it, I'm always looking really closely. I'm like, oh, okay, there—that's what you should have tipped me off. His fingers aren't blown off, you know. Uh, following the battle with Scaramanga, I think most people have kind of forgotten about this. Is where having that second plot it works at times, but it doesn't work here because as many times as I see this, I forget about the whole you know Solex thing and the weapon. And we were just shown it about five minutes earlier. So it it probably would have worked a lot better if this was a bigger part of the movie. But the henchman cry—I mean, he's definitely better than Hans because he he has something creepy about him. He's not just there throwing a punch. Um, This is, again, I'm going to defend Mary Goodnight. And people can say "Um, I'm grasping at straws or whatever. But if you can find another Bond girl during these first three movies who actually tries to do things and accomplishes things then uh, let us know. But she kills the henchman and she kills the henchman because she understands the way he's thinking. He is a bit of a perv. She's not doing anything. Like you said, she's just kind of sitting there smiling awkwardly and she's trailing him in the end. I mean, he wasn't looking over his shoulder. She's sort of following him around. So she plays up on the fact that he's a bit of a perv and then nails him from behind and kills him. Now, again, she's (laughs)
2: I'll
1: stand by the defense of Mary goodnight that, uh, And the dumb things she, the smart things she does in this movie, she does well and there's side effects to it. Well, there are side effects to, you know, Bond killing Dr. No, he blew everything up in the end. You know, it's no really no different. Then the fact that the whole. Well, but again, Bond swallowed the bullet in the beginning of the movie. He did just as many dumb things, not only in this movie, but in other movies. It's just as dumb for her to be pushed in a car as it is for him to be knocked on the head by um what was his name odd job when he was getting a new bottle of wine i mean this is nothing that we haven't seen from bond and it's the really just Disney the fact that, no i think it's really just the fact that people are looking to complain about this time period of bond and say all of the female leads were kind of dumb it's like well but they're doing more than tanya why does everybody give tanya credit when she has no significance in the movie other than just the person that you know, bond uses because she's an agent. I mean, also let's remember, Goodnight is referred to as a liaison to Bond, not, a, you know, a fellow double O. I mean, she's doing what she can. So I, I'm, I, I'll full defense for Goodnight. And I think sometimes people need to look at what the movie is. And not every Bond girl needs to be Vesper. Not every Bond girl needs to be Jeez. Enya. Uh, well, Enya, I completely agree Triggs. with
2: that as well, but I'm also not going to defend them for being smart. I, I like when there's these goofy—I think Goodnight's funny, but I'm also not going to defend it. Like, that sitting on the—no, I, I can't do it. But, but I, I mean, does not everyone
1: buttons... has to be uh, Tracy, though. I do agree hmm. with that. But, I mean, not, how is she supposed to know what the Bond does? Bond doesn't know what anything does in this thing again though you do get that fun moment where it just shows Bond kind of has an annoyance with Goodnight for no reason where he's like Goodnight I hate to ask you big questions Like, I always love that line just how condescending it is towards her again with Britt Eklund nobody else could have taken this role and had it be as amusing with her kind of being the butt of a lot of the jokes because she plays it with a lot of humor and she should be given credit for being probably the best comic actress in a Bond movie
0: Nobody does it better. Better. Um, Yeah. One thing, my only gripe, I guess, with that whole, because I I think I agree more with Colin, sorry, Noah, but when the sun goes behind the clouds, worst solar energy ever, because um, if anybody knows anything about solar power, um, you still have solar power when the sun is behind the clouds, all right? So, like... (laughs) (laughs) That's one downside to entrepreneur Scaramanga, that if his power shuts off every time the sun goes behind the clouds, then fucking people in England are screwed. They're never having any power. Um, so <laughs> we get then to the junk. Um, <laughs> we're Bond's finally about to mack it on with good night. And, oh, what, uh, what's Guy Hamilton going to give us? Oh, not another henchman still alive, ready to attack. <laughs> Oh, what a surprise! Um, and Knick-Knack is back. Um, <laughs> back again. Kiss, guess, you know, Eminem quote, apparently. Um, <laughs> I love, like, the fight. It's like, it's... It's hard to take this fight seriously because, like, Moore looks like he's trying not to laugh this whole fight. <laughs> I don't think it's
2: meant to take serious.
0: He's getting bottles of wine thrown at his head. I'm waiting for Bond to be like, no, not the Bollinger! <laughs> or like, not, not the <laughs> foo-yuck! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just love it. He, his weapon of choice is he gets, a, what, a broken chair and he gets on his hands and knees. It just reminds me of every time one of my kittens hides under the bed, and I'm trying to get it out because it's being naughty. So he's there <laughs> what did under we a... say
2: about every time you mentioned your cats? It's really
0: no. This is really the cats. Louise doesn't go under the bed. Under
1: <laughs> <laughs> <still in> the bed. The cat's farting under the bed.
2: <laughs> hey, my cat's do I was trying fart. to drag them out the underneath the bed.
0: And then Knickknack runs away. So then Bond's second weapon of choice is a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Puts him in the suitcase. Oh, you're a big (laughs) bully. I can't be. Don't get me
2: out of here. Uh, I don't (laughs) think you understand this
0: nickname. Oh, it's so funny that he gets the the line, of course. Collins included it in our um, introduction. I may be small,
2: but I never forget.
0: And um, we uh, led to believe that Bonds killed him um, because goodnight's like, oh, you didn't. Oh no! And then, of course, at the end, we see him is like tied up in the um the masthead. But the concluding scene, of course, Bond finally hooking up with Good Night. And somehow, this is a big question I have: How the hell does MI6 M- know yeah. they're on this junk and like can call them? Like, wow, yeah. great spy home work. Home. Um, the Homer is um the still Homer there. And Goodnight's cleavage.
1: Yes,
0: and I do love the whole um, the closing bit where Bonds, um, you know, talking to M, like "Good night, good night." She's just coming, sir. <laughs> good night, sir. Like, ah, uh, just that's one thing I love about Roger Moore, as I said in the last uh, "Live and Let Die." He just plays that so well. It's not forced. It's not anything. It's just great. And then, of course, uh, I have to do it before I let Colin and Noah take oh, over. No. <laughs> <laughs> we end with.
3: Good night, good night. <laughs> Sleep well, oh, my dear. Ah. No need to fear. is <laughs> <Jeez>, bad. <birdies. laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Like uh, all that needed was a but um, I actually don't... Like, as much as I mock it, I actually kind of like it too, strangely enough. There's just something it's about so
2: it. It's so absurd that it works.
0: But it's just... Yeah, it's just something about it exactly that works. But, yeah, and then, then we're done. We're we're over. But um, the closing scene.
1: I, I don't think it's... It, yeah, there's moments that seem like it's absurd, but how else are you going to fight a guy that's that small? And I, I've always looked at the scene and figured... This kind of makes sense. And Nick Neck has some really vicious moments in this when he's whipping the bottles at Bond. I mean, there's glass flying everywhere. That's, that's more than we see out of Teehee with his one armed fight on the train. Uh, with him diving down with a knife in his mouth. I mean, all that Winton kid did was they tried to give him a cake with a bomb in it. Uh, this is probably my favorite of the henchman comeback scene in the end. Uh, it's right up there with, uh, with, um, from Russia with love. Um and it's a very similar scene. You know, it's a little bit silly as in how they fight, but it's still menacing because we have a real menacing henchman here. And I I really think Nick Knack deserves some credit for being a credible henchman. Uh I w- if I had to choose between going into a duel myself with Wint Kid Hans craw, um, groping me or whatever it is he's doing. (laughs) And knickknack knickknack's the last guy I want to fight. So I really like this scene and the thing with putting him in the suitcase. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but, uh, it's, it's appropriate. Like how else would he be fighting him? Because knickknack's very fast and he can just dive underneath something that Bond can't get under. So I love the final scene. I think, whereas diamonds are forever and live and let die you've kind of seen the best you can get out of the movie this last moment they give it a little bit of appropriate time they let it be a bit of a fight it's a good location and uh also we get like that last scene that basically becomes the staple of the roger moore series you know m finds bond you know wherever he's at and they keep trying to get in contact with him or we see it with the the prime minister with margaret thatcher later in the Ugh. the series i it's it's always great to have those scenes, but I think this is probably one of my favorite ones. Uh, you know, the whole "Good night, good night, good night, sir" and hangs up. I mean, really good ending to the movie. As I said from the beginning, I think when this movie hits the halfway point, almost every scene's enjoyable in some way.
2: I don't have a whole lot to add. I love the fight. It's classic henchman returning. Knickknacks great. Um... You have to wonder that, I'm not sure if Nick Nicknack ever killed anyone, but I, you have to wonder, he's probably still in jail to this day uh, for his crimes committed, um, and he will return Inspector, played by Peter Dinklage, so uh, look forward <laughs> to that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's such a classic of uh, the villain, and uh, the henchman coming back, and I love the boat. The boat is great. Um, and then, yeah, the song, it's so zany, but I like it. I think it works because it's just so you have Lulu back to James Bond is here. It's just, yeah, it's mental. Um, and we'll have another thing like that at the end of next film, which we'll get to. But um, <laughs> I, th- I think it's a fun way to end the film. Nick Nack is a great henchman. Um, after that, I'm not going to say lacklustre uh, climax with Scaramanga, but definitely toned down compared to the last few films. So it's a good way to end it. At the end, James Bond will turn in the spy love
0: and uh yes that's uh that covers that film uh that was man with the golden gun uh funnily enough if you didn't know that uh before we obviously get to our closing bits um just I guess final thoughts we'll get into that bit now um I mean as I said, I enjoy this film it's it's got you know some pretty big like moments in it that just do not need to be in here um and, you know, some plot holes and a lot of the stuff in there between. And, but it kind of, it toes a fine line between being very serious and being a bit very campy and silly, which I think to me make perfect Bond movies. Like, you know, you, you get yeah. these over-the-top films, but they've always got these campy bits in And I think it was Colin, you said in the last one, like, what's wrong with having a campy film? Like, why is that perceived as a bad thing? But I think you've got some you know big moments in this mixed with that perfectly it's it's not just it's not moonraker like you know, not in space it's not you only live twice it's not die another day like but even even i would argue die another day is not as outlandish as some of the other ones but yeah it's i think it's it's got a good balance of both and i really enjoy this film and this is one that we've constantly said oh this is one i could just put in and watch I could just pull this in and watch and enjoy it and have a fun time each time with maybe the exception of (laughs) Uh,
1: maybe with the exception of JW as well. Um, There are some real downer moments in this movie. I think most of the first half is not only underwhelming as far as the story goes, but uh, I think that the locations aren't showcased properly. But when this movie gets good, it does get real good. And I just think, more than anything, this is a misunderstood movie. People look at this like as the worst Bond movie ever made. And people constantly are criticizing it, saying that it's too comical. It is nowhere near as goofy as Diamonds Are Forever and Live and Let Die. And you get the criticism that uh, the movie's goofy, but then you'll get everybody praising Christopher Lee. Well, he's in this movie more than most Bond villains are up until this point. You know, Even though his presence is minimal... You see him throughout the entire movie. The plot's all about him. He has tons of scenes, tons of dialogue. If Christopher Lee is taken so seriously as a villain, then there's no way the movie is that goofy because you can't say the same for Diamonds Are Forever and maybe for that matter, Live and Let Die. And if this movie is a comedy and there definitely are comedy elements, I mean, I think it's very closed-minded that people will just automatically, as we were saying, just say, well, a Bond villain has to be like this, a Bond girl has to be like this. If the movie is funny, then Goodnight should be looked at as how good she is as a comic Bond girl. And there doesn't have to be one kind. And I think she is the best of the comic Bond girls. She's the only one that really isn't annoying at times. Like you mentioned Tiffany Case. Tiffany Case just got annoying. And I don't think Goodnight's ever annoying. I think she's always funny. The characters are so good. And we didn't really touch on the cast as a whole. But, I mean, you take the cast of this movie... Roger Moore, Christopher Lee, uh, Herb Villachez, Britt Eklund, Matt Adams, those five actors. And you stack that up against the five actors from almost any other Bond movie, and those five actors really deliver in this. And the good things about this movie, I think, I don't know if whether they outweigh the bad in terms of screen time, but I think the goods are so good with this movie that it deserves more of a passing mark than it usually gets.
2: Uh yeah, as I said at the top of the movie, it, this is a fun one. It's definitely not going to be in my top ten. I think we found a lot of flaws with it, uh, probably more so than Live and Let Die, but it is just so much fun. As you said, Ben, it's one you can easily just put on and veg out to. You don't have to think about it. It's just fun. Like, there are some bomb movies like I absolutely love from Rush with Love. It's one of the best, but it's not one I put in and can just watch any time, like, uh, and man with the gun gun diamonds are forever, are those ones. Like I probably prefer from Russia with love, but these are the ones that have just got every element of bond in it. That's just so wacky and enjoyable. Um, Scaramanga, one of the all time best villains, he- uh, Nicknack is one of the all time best henchmen. Uh, good and Andrea are just okay. Um, I think we're definitely overselling them, in my opinion, anyway. Um, there's some great stunts. This is stupid. Um, and we say goodbye to two time Bond ally JW Pepper. The last oh, time we'll ever see him. Um, until
0: 1999 is a Phantom Menace. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he, well, he's still alive, so they could bring JW back for Spectre. Let's have our fingers crossed. But it's a fun film.
0: Well,. Yes, it is. Um, Sorry, I was just reading something different there. Um, Before we get into our segments, I'll do the box office and the ranking bit first in terms of the Poodle Travers. Um, I mean, the interesting thing about The Man with the Golden Gun is many believe this was going to be the end of James Bond because it performed very poorly. Um, And... It was often perceived that this was it. There was going to be no more. That's why we then had a three-year gap between this and The um, Spy Who Loved Me, um, which, of course, at the time was the longest gap we'd ever had between Bond films. Um, so it would have been very interesting, perhaps, in 1974 to think, oh, crap, Bond. I mean, imagine if it did. That was it. We wouldn't be here talking about this right now, unless we still really loved the nine Bond films between 1962 and 1970. I'm sure they would have rebooted it by now, probably. But, um, uh, so, I mean, in the end, uh, this is the end. It made only, um, $20,972,000 Uninflated, uh, which makes it the second lowest um, grossing film, just above Dr. No, which made $16 million, um, and just below... Um on A Majesty's Secret Service and if you adjust it for inflation, it still is the second lowest film of all time $91 million and sixty five thousand six hundred dollars just ahead of license to kill uh, 70 million and just below the living daylights poor Dalton uh, 106 million that made so interesting there um, and then the Rankings for our bestie Peter Travers. Hi Peter um he uh, puts it not at not. 14th uh overall just ahead of moonraker probably a lot further ahead of moonraker there peter and just below never say never again <laughs> <laughs> And so, what,
1: let's again say probably about five or six spots higher than he had golden eye so he's very <laughs> reputable
0: yes indeed um so there you go that's Peter Travers all right let's do this in uh the correct order I feel today mm. let's play mm. a mm. bit of this kiss,
3: kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss,
0: kiss, bang bang um now I'm very intrigued for this <laughs> because <laughs> I feel this one we, we got it right last time I feel You're we could wrong. get it I feel we can get this this time around. Oh, I'm not going to be afraid of like, I'm going first this time. Um, three Bonds, James Bonds. Yep. Yes? Yes. No martinis again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two sex moments. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I sounded like back to 40 Towers references, I like Basil Fawlty when he's like, sex. Like he can't say the word <laughs> sex. Um... Now, I'm putting this out in the limb here. Ooh. I'm really putting this out in the limb here. I had one kill.
1: Yes. No. Yes. No. No. Knocking a person out is not death. <laughs> yeah, you're not Ben Waterworth here. Like, come on. You're not in counting bay- the guys in the belt dancers, are you?
2: There's no way one of those guys lived. He it- smashed into his head yeah. yeah the hang mirror. on. I
0: was thinking that. I was thinking that because he smacked his head about five times the wall, but you see him get up.
1: Yeah, no, and you plus don't. The other one you see him going do. down
0: with blood. No, his face. there's a scene where you you see him get up. You you do see him get up.
1: And also the other one only gets hairspray in his mouth. Like there's no reason these men are dead. Um, well forget then then I had a karate guy. No. Well, karate guy's dead. He kicks one in the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, one then. Scar- yeah, right, Scarab is the only guy he kills in this movie, surely. Yeah. I
2: disagree, but I am far too tired to disagree that much, so I'm going to say one.
1: Yeah, high five,
0: Colin. We did we it. You need to um, report
1: it just late at night all the time, just so one doesn't count his canoe deaths <laughs> and his hairspray deaths.
0: Well, yeah, go watch that scene again. Watch the Beirut scene, because that guy who... Maybe as soon tomorrow. As, as, soon, as soon as I saw him, like, I'm like, okay, that guy's like got an aneurysm, his skull's half-crushed in, there's no way he's surviving that, but he gets up, and I don't know about any karate guy, like... Uh, yeah, yeah okay. I've agreed one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, well, I said in Live and Let Die that we'll get to our century. We don't, we have one kill. Like we had him saying Bond James Bond more in well, this movie. We're
2: out of the Hamiltons, and I suspect from here on out we're going to see a hell of a lot more. Probably never going to go as low as five from here on out.
0: Never say never again. Um, ninety-eight kills in total. We're up to, uh, twenty-six roots. Um, five. Mar- is this is this two or three in a row that we haven't had a martini? Mm-hmm. Did he have any in Diamonds Are Forever? I don't think he did.
2: Three in a row. Right. Right.
0: Three, did he, he? had it in um, Majesty's, didn't he? So, yeah, okay. Uh, and we're up to nine Bonds, James Bonds. So in nine movies. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs>
2: this breaks the record.
0: Hall of Fame. i have got to play this introduction. Hall
1: of
2: Fame. It's the hall, <laughs> the hall
3: with the classic scenes. <laughs> no,
1: no. All of that. <laughs> Things Noah wishes he never did on this podcast. <laughs> pretty much ninety percent of
0: it. It's up there with the kid falling in the water. um all right, I'm just going to put it out there. Car flipping over.
2: Yeah, it's got uh, a ridiculous slide whistle, but it is amazing.
1: Would we group that together with the whole car chase then? Because uh, pretty like, that's, much. that's ten seconds of the movie.
2: And yeah, I Bond have James Bond in Dr. No is five seconds.
1: Well, we had the whole scene there, the introduction to him with all the, you know... Yeah, I include the behavior. car chase. Yeah, because, I mean, as bad as we talk about JW in it, the car chase itself is really good. And, car I mean, chase, chase
2: with the flip. You have to at least mention car
0: that. car chase with flip. All right. Um, I mean, I pointed out, I think, back-to-back Guns at Dawn. Yeah, I was going to suggest that one, too. Calm yeah. Before the Storm.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, if we're including, I would say include the entire duel in that too, because even though we're seeing house a lot of the fun? stuff, yeah. I'm not going to debate it. But I think the moment, the Hall of
2: Fame moment, is the back. Yeah, because I, I count the ho- house. Well, because
0: the reason I would separate it, because I would almost, and again, I, I'm sure you guys will come up with a third option, but I would almost argue House of Fun or Fun House. <laughs> I'm thinking of Bloody Madness song. Um, fun House should be a separate entry. I don't think it well, should I be mean,
2: separate. I just think the moment that's so iconic is the back-to-back duel. But we can include the whole thing.
1: I'm, I am i know I'm going to get shot down again, but putting goodnight in the closet. Come on. No, no. <laughs> We're not doing... That.
2: I disagree with the underwater Thunderbolt, but I disagree with this one a lot more
1: than that. I didn't get Rosie Carver. Give me a "Good Night" moment. Oh, nobody gets... Fuck off with Rosie. <laughs> Come <on. laughs> Nobody gets rules. The, the tricky uh, thing is that the good moments in this movie, as we said, there's down parts to it. And so it really is kind of a struggle to come up with these iconic moments that don't have their own issues.
0: Knickknack, Tabasco! <laughs> um
2: Yeah. I wouldn't mind well, the knickknack
1: fight on the end.
2: Knickknack yeah. fight? Yeah, it's probably yeah. the best of the henchmen coming back. Yeah. Bond and Lazar. Uh, yeah.
0: But that's oh fuck mm, off, um, <laughs> wedgie, <laughs> kid uh, in water.
1: <laughs> Come uh, on,
0: I think I'll uh, give, If you give me kid in water, good. you can have whatever you want in bloody spy. Love me? I don't. Well, care.
1: then we go back and we include Rosie
0: Carver. And uh, nick
2: Nack fight at the end is probably yes, yeah. yeah. Nick fight. If Nick-knack. we include a Bambi and freaking Thumper, we can include Nick fight at the end.
0: Knack, yes. paddywhack, give your dog a bone. Um, cool. All right, done. So just go over that car chase with Flip, back to back jewel and funhouse and knick knack fight. <laughs> Sound
1: good? So basically, the entire third act of the movie. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Well done. Uh, and that puts us into. <laughs> Rankings, baby. Rankings, baby. Yes, and I wish I hadn't said that. Um, okay. Um, I I am going to go last this time. Noah put up his option to go last um, for the, what was that? The Kiss Kiss Bang Bang last one. So, uh, Colin, you can go first this time.
1: What am I going first on?
0: Rankings. Rankings, baby. Oh,
1: rankings. Okay. Um, this one, it's uh, it's it's. One that I think has changed since we started doing this. And I I didn't think that I would enjoy Live and Let Die as much as I did on the rewatch. And I didn't think that I would uh, have as much trouble getting through the first half of The Man with the Golden Gun on the rewatch. So I'm pretty confident in putting this just below Live and Let Die for me and ahead of You Only Live Twice. So this will seventh. be, I think that would be seventh, Yeah.
2: Uh, for me, I'm kind of losing track here. So, have you got the list with you? Ben? I do, Noah. I uh, do. I've got "Live and Let Die" six. You do. And you only Live twice seven. You do. Diamonds uh, are forever.
0: First, let's remind everybody
2: that I'm going to put. There's no way this can beat Majesty's Russia, Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, um, Doctor No. No way at all. Um, but it is a fun film. So at the moment, I'm probably going to put it just above um, Live and Let Die and just below Dr. No at sixth place, which puts Live and Let Die at seventh. You only have twice at eighth and Thunderball at
0: ninth. Locked in, Eddie. All right. Uh, It's not going ahead of Honor Majesty's Goldfinger or From Russia With Love. It is going ahead of Live and Let Die, Thunderball, and Dr. No. So... I've got Diamonds Are Forever in 4th and You Only Live Twice in 5th. I think I like it better than You Only Live Twice. I love Diamonds Are Forever, but I don't know. There's just something about this that I like. There's just I can't Both put my twice. finger on it. I'm putting it at 4th. I'm oh, putting it wow. below From Russia With Love and above Diamonds Are Forever. So, yeah, I'm putting wow. it quite high. I enjoy this film. I like it.
1: I do find it kind of questionable that this is in, what, your top 4? Uh,
0: <laughs> after but, nine movies
1: I thought my diamonds yeah, are for forever was the a fact shock. that Noah has diamonds are forever at number one is still way more questionable
2: well, as, than- as I said I can't <laughs> rip into you too much because as I said it is subjective so whatever
0: yeah. Well, look, I can I can pretty much guarantee you that the next film will be ahead of um, Man with yeah, the Gate. I can Golden. guarantee
2: you that too.
0: Um, and I I might even push that a lot higher because um, yeah, that leads us into the Spy Who Loved Me. Um, that's what we're doing next, and. I loved Spy Who Loved Me. And, and it's it's funny because this is obviously perceived, again, as one of the greatest Bond films of all time. Um, and after Man with a Golden Gun, a film that nearly killed the series, then come into a film that is just widely regarded as easily Moore's best, you would say, and then also, again, as I said, one of the greatest films in the history of the Bond franchise. It's, it's just so good. It has a terribly lacklustre villain, but, like, it, it has a, a great... You know, final like setting for the for the finale and like the the lair and just like the the iconic scenes. Like, surely our hall of fame is going to be easy for the next one. Um, and like just teasing into the the song. Like, I talk about how great the seventies are. Like, the song is probably in my top I've mentioned five. That a lot on the show. Oh, it's just such a just I can like if we're list if I'm just randomly listening to bond songs it's always one of the first ones that i always play
2: james bond song
0: and and, you maybe well yeah and and like i can crank it loudly and just like just it's just such a great song and it's it's great movie everything i'm looking forward to it bring on the spy who loved me
1: spy who loved me was uh i've mentioned this several times that when i started going through the bond movies i wanted to make sure that i saved some of the best ones for last and i think the last two that I watched uh, were from Rush with Love, and I believe this was the final Bond movie I watched uh, of the original 20, um, or leading up to Die Another Day, so of the original 19. And I was so glad I saved it for last, because this movie lived up to everything that I was hoping it would be. Um, there are Bond movies where they get a lot of credit, and then you watch them, and you're like, yeah, it's okay. And then this one is just it is so good. Uh, this is like the crowning achievement of the 70s movies, I think. Uh, I don't, it's, it would be hard to argue against that. But I'm going to disagree about the lackluster villain. Uh, I think that he's an okay villain. I think he's better than some of the ones we've seen up until this point. I think the performance uh, from the actor was pretty strong and really helped the movie. Um, the fact that the movie doesn't really have that many memorable characters, aside from you know Bond and Anya... Uh, really shows Does. how strong the movie itself is. Well, and jaws of course yeah uh, but that shows how strong the movie is because we're not going to have all these characters talk about like andrea and knickknack or uh diamonds are forever i mean and in, in what's a basically an intentionally bad movie we had tons of great characters to talk about that just shows how strong the story is and they really went back to focusing on the story in spy love me and they ditched a lot of the camp and the action scenes are just incredible in it. The sets are incredible. Um, I I can't wait to rewatch this movie and talk about it.
2: Yeah. uh, I had to be so cliche, but I love it too. It's kind of viewed as one of the best, but I it's viewed as that for a reason. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to it. it, We're kind of, it's very much a step in a different direction. Like we're getting rid of Tom Mangawicks who's been with it for a while. Guy Hamilton has directed three in a row Harry Saltzman is out of it. There's a lot of changes uh, happening after three quite similar films, and you will definitely notice it. Um, I've just been waiting for this because I can't wait to re-watch it. I've just been holding off so I don't forget too much about it. Um, So I can't wait that we're drawing so close to it, and it will definitely be above... um, Man with the Golden Gun and Live and Let Die, I think it's it's more at his absolute finest. So many iconic moments. If you were going to show someone a James Bond film for the first time, this would have to be one of them to show them because it's just got everything in it. So I really can't wait. I love The Spy. I love me so much good stuff
0: about it. There's one film probably that you would say from each actor that you would say, watch this one to get an idea of who yeah. they are. I mean, not that hard with Lazenby, but... It, 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 I mean, this Man is from the Hong world- Kong. This is this is the Roger Moore one, you yeah, know. You have got eighty-seven to choose from, but you, you you choose this one and then you avoid the one after it. So it, it well, it's just good. And again, I feel bad that I didn't mention Jaws in my little um because it's fucking. Well, we're going to do
2: three hours on the episode, so don't get too hung
0: up. It's Jaws, um. But yes, so bring it on. And we get into the double digits, we're up to number ten. So uh, we've only got 14 of these to go. So, yay, we're nearly at the halfway point. But looking forward to it. This has been a lot of fun talking about the man with the golden gun. Uh, He comes just before he kills. He's got a powerful weapon. You get the gist. Uh, Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. That's what we do have, kids, iTunes. Um, You can find us on other services maybe Um, and also remember to like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter we've got a few more followers on Twitter and and hello to our forum fans out there Noah we've got a bit of love out there so hello AJB thank you AJB for listening Uh, but until we next meet again uh, my name is Ben and (laughs) Miss I think your pointy hats have no control than a goody bird
1: (laughs) Ah. uh, good night, good night. Sleep well, my dear. No need to fear. Colin Hilding was here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how can you
2: talk that? Uh, I've been Noah, and I can't wait to keep talking about this English secret agent from England. Thank you.
0: And foo yuck you later.
2: <laughs> Mr. Fat has just resigned. I'm the new chairman of the board.
3: The man with the golden gun. You're that secret agent! That English secret agent from England! A superfluous papilla. A third nipple, sir. He must have found me quite titillating. Your front, tight in all the right places. James, you must be good. Boo-yuck. 74, sir. Moneypenny, you are better than a computer. In all sorts of ways, but you never take advantage of them. To me. Really? Oh, I admit it's a little kinky. Elly real Ellie Bart, 63 baht. You are very handsome man, 40 baht. For you, we start 20
0: baht. I'll tell you what, Sonny, I'll give you 20,000 baht if you can make this heap go any faster.
3: 20,000
0: baht. I'm afraid I have to owe you. <laughs> the nearest
3: pharmacy. I like a girl in a bikini. No concealed weapons. Well, we all get our jollies one way or another. I mean, sir, so who would pay a million dollars to have me killed? Jealous husbands,
2: outraged chefs, humiliated tailors. The list is endless.
3: How will I recognize it? Tall, slim, and dark. So is my aunt. You big sorry. I may be small, but I never forget!
0: I'll kill you if you don't let me out of there, You big bully!
3: You poorhead, has no more idea of traffic control than a goony bird. To us, Mr. Bond, we are the best. I'm now aiming precisely at your groin, says speak over a hotel piece. Good night. Where are you?
1: Somebody locked me in a boat.
0: If you kill him, all this be mine.
1: Up and deaf tack! Right?
0: Right. Now a midget with a gun on him. A midget.
3: My golden gun against your was a PPK. Six bullets for your one? I only need one. I've never killed a midger before.
0: Almost here.
3: Good night. She's just coming, sir. Good night. Good night.
0: Good night. Good night, sir.